Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Spend some time, boss. Since we've done what is only appropriate, we remain deeply humbled by the support of the lapsed fan solar system, I think it's fair to That's say. Right. Yes, indeed. And if you As were to always. show the appropriate respect, what would that sound like? Because <laughs> <laughs> it has been a while since your co-chairs haven't been so preoccupied and wall-to-wall <laughs> with particular content topic show coverage. And, and entertainment, really. And entertainment. It is. Wall-to-wall entertainment. That we haven't really had the opportunity in, in several weeks to just kick back and Turn our attention to the lapsed fan at gmail.com, that fucking mailbag, and also patreon.com slash the lapsed fan, which remains the one and only way to prove that you have uh, graduated to adulthood as a wrestling yes. fan, right? Yes. And, 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 and as really, a human being. And as a human being, right, as a citizen yeah. of the world. Somebody yeah. that can see around the corner and realizes that, you know, everything you think is free uh, comes with such a severe social consequence yeah. that the cost is way, way higher than if you just came out of pocket for it. It's somebody who understands finally that their shit does indeed stink. That's right. Yeah, some some humility around here and some um, some honest exchange. You know, some honest exchange in terms of value. And so at Patreon, uh, you can determine what this cast is worth, and of course, in exchange, get several several options in the way of extra audio goodies. Indeed. Not only do you get this show ad free, as well as the deep dive portions of our episodes a day earlier than the rest of the world. You also, if you can truly net up, and we know it's tough times, but honestly, this should be three times more expensive than it is considering the quality and the amount of work that goes into it. Under the cinemat available only to our EP tiers, executive producers, 20 bucks a month. Boss, tell them about it. Cinema. Indeed. Cinema. It is where the worlds collide. That's accurate. Universes come head to head. Of both branches of the arms of entertainment. Wrestling, movies, implosion. Yes. And it's (laughs) and it's where we get to take a look and dive into I don't want to say it's 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 less of my world than but in terms of behind the scenes stuff, I can definitely say I know more about movies. I know about movies the way you know about about wrestling. Um, and, and it's, it's so much fun to be able to not only, not only tell you about stuff that I know, but also dig around and find stuff that even I didn't know and how much it, it, it kind of provides clarity and also just incredible insight onto the stuff that I already knew. Um, especially 
especially with our current project, the Lucas Roach collaboration coming to an end uh, uh, this week um, after a, a, a week hiatus only because this one's going to be a doozy. And it's um, just fine. Just, just discovering more about the, the darker sides of George Lucas and Steven Spielberg that I ever uh, really knew existed. And um, also involving, involving wrestling talent that otherwise would probably go unnoticed, maybe not even just unnoticed, but unheard of yes. on the Laps fan, uh, including such talents as Pat Roach. Yes, there's no better time in terms of bingeability to jump into the under the cinemat tier than right now as we yeah. examine um, 70s, 80s gr- British grappler Pat Roach, uh, world of sport style, European rounds, European uppercuts, step overs, William Regal using his feet to separate wrist locks kind of, <laughs> kind of wrestler. Yes. And uh, his tremendous career as a action stuntman in Hollywood yep. and in particular yep. George Lucas produced and directed films and so yep. we've looked at and we'll continue looking at the Indiana Jones trilogy. Yes. We've looked the, at Willow. The real trilogy. We've looked at Willow. Yes. And, yes. Uh, it's it's just it's wonderful to, to because it, you know the orienting principle of course boss is that the movies we cover under the cinemat have wrestlers or are about wrestlers. There is that connective tissue for fans of that fucking cast. It's not yep. just not just for people who are exclusively interested in movies. We we no. have that connective thread. We do, and 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 it's also too uh, also the ins- inspiration. Inspirations uh, uh, used by movies in professional wrestling, yeah. um, without a doubt. And and you know there are some other areas too. As I've been kind of you know as I I'm always on the search. I'm always on the search, and there is you know I I sit here wondering there might be some some vice versa in that realm that that perhaps movies have been inspired by professional wrestling at times. And I'm continuing to look into some of these and see if there is a direct correlation or if it's more of a subconscious thing, but I'm intrigued, you know, we'll see, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. But it also just, there are people that we didn't even know about like, um, like a, like a Mike Mazurki, you know, a guy founder of the, um, uh, co-founder of the, the cauliflower alley club, but also, uh, you know, in-ring grappler, but also a, a, a legendary long-term actor with hundreds of movie credits. And yeah, it's just, <laughs> we also get <laughs> the, the guy who played Jesse Ventura, also a wrestler in the Jesse Ventura story. And just so many oh my God. weird, you know, paths that, y- 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 you know, you don't realize truly existed. When we launched the initiative under the cinemat, I knew it would take us to some wild places. Did I expect, though, to see James Cagney doing judo throws that Gene LaBelle taught him? <laughs> Hell no. no. But it's there, it's under the cinemat, and it's for adults only. EP tier. That's right. And it will truly enrich your lapsed experience because as much uh, credit as we give people in pro wrestling for creative thinking, they basically 90% of the time just rip off a movie. Okay, no matter what gimmick you're talking about, what great promo you're talking about, what great concept you're talking about in pro wrestling, usually it's just a ripoff of a movie, particularly if it had anything to do with Dusty Rhodes, who was a huge cinephile. Oh, yeah. That would basically be, you know, anyone who listened to our Art of War Games journey, for instance, knows that it really all started with uh, the Mad Max movie and uh, the depiction of the cage 
the Thunder Cage or whatever they called it in that movie. And so that that's kind of, if you go back and listen to that, that in some ways is kind of the kernel of the idea for Cinemat, not to say it inspired it, but it's kind of one of the first examples of it. We have done movies in the past. We did No Holds Barred. We did The Wrestler with yep. Vern Gagne. Yep. And this is just a chance to go hog wild in that direction. Oh, totally. And learn a lot totally. about and Also, I mean, just a, an excuse to bring in to bring in movies and 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 just dive into a whole new a whole new realm. Um, and again, also oddly, and this was unexpected when when we launched the project. But the the ability to go so far back into the past that we can we were you know we were able to discover that um, you know follow the Stanislaus Zabisco uh, uh, career and. <laughs> find out that even in the late 1800s newspapers were skeptical of the reality of professional wrestling oh, to say yeah to say the least hippodroming.com for sure That's i mean right. there's a reason the cauliflower alley club formed in the 30s or whatever it was is a combination of actors and wrestlers there's a reason those two categories made natural allies and it's because they're both put-ons and uh, essentially good at exaggerating physicality and uh we, we really are laying down kind of a record of, of where wrestling has bled into Hollywood yep. over the, the many decades. And it continues to this day, and it will continue under the cinemat. So that is what you get uh, exclusive to that tier, of course. You also get all the other exclusive audio in that tier if you join us there. We also have a $10 VIP tier, which entitles you to the ad-free shows we talked about, as well as our monthly WWE pay-per-view calls, where we watch modern WWE so you don't have to match by yeah. match on your Patreon. A great way, you know, in this wrestling context now most fans of any tenure listen to podcasts and then watch the show you know they right, tend to not right. do it in the other way um and so we're there for you providing the lapsed perspective uh we're in your head we know what it is you think and feel when you watch wrestling particularly the things you think and feel that you have trouble putting words to we do it every single month and uh there really is no other way to enjoy wwe in 2022 and beyond than with that fucking Great. live call we continue to prove it month oh. in and month out it gives me a, a, a healthy opportunity to, to, you know, indulge myself in some alcohol. Yeah, there's that. If that's your thing, for sure. We, <laughs> boss man certainly pops the top on a paps every time we bring you that live call. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, you know, continue to sharpen the blade and making the case that it used to be better by pointing out how, you know, the modern WWE presentation, which will always chiefly characterize the state of pro wrestling, no matter what other company gains traction or gains attention yep. or gains uh, share uh, in the business. Um, it's how realistic the WWE's presentation is and feels that dictates how normal people feel about professional wrestling in this country. And so that's what we focus on. And we point out all the little things that wrestlers do and don't do these days to uh, create that emotional distance for uh, lapsed fans uh, like you and I. So yeah. it's a great experience. And there's, again, no other way to, in, you know, ingest modern WWE pay-per-views than than with us there. We also have the 316 tier coming off our 316th episode, King of the Ring 96. Yes, indeed. Totally appropriate. You'll get all uh, the pay-per-view live calls and other audio, but you'll get the live calls um, on a three-day delay if you choose to engage us there. So we have a an honor roll, if you will, of folks that have nutted up, that have put their pride aside, t- taken the wallet out, and set, and went from probably, you know, last year or something, scoffing at the idea of paying for a wrestling podcast to, to thinking, you know, why... Why aren't the only wrestling podcasts that exist the ones that can prove their fans are willing to pay for it? That's the question. Yes. And so we need to thank Clay Mark for putting significant cheddar on the table and joining 
the inner circle that TLF Solar System. Timothy Lee, welcome in as well. We appreciate that cake. IQ Wrestler, longtime supporter and a generous donation. We certainly do notice it. Our friend Kikis, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, um, over I believe in Norway. We appreciate uh, your your deep support. And of course, in the mailbag segment, we do uh, take you into the heads of the solar system of the, as they've interpreted recent episodes that we've done. And Matt writes us a very timely letter. This is coming off our Great American Bash 1991 episode, which came to you courtesy mm-hmm. of the TLF Hopper. And of course, while Ric Flair didn't wrestle on the card and wasn't on the show, he was the most looming presence on the show. <laughs> Indeed he was. Having left WCW after a dispute with Jim Hurd and the big gold belt, the WWF, leading to the Lex Luger-Barry Wyndham main event, and one of the most universally panned pay-per-views in the history of the business, as fans chant, we yeah. want Flair over Luger wrestling a Barry Wyndham <laughs> in a cage to no particular end. So How is uh, that a problem? Yeah, and it, it, it's sort of... You know, Matt's letter was written before oh! Ric Flair's aforementioned return to the wrestling ring this summer uh, was confirmed, oh. but it's imbued with a lot more significance, I think, uh, considering the news that's developed since Matt has written this letter. But he gets to the heart of a lot of the uh, insecurities Ric Flair talked about in his book and in interviews that was in his head around the Jim right. Hurd WCW age. So let's uh, let's right. turn it over to Matt, boss. All right. Dear Co-Chairman, I felt moved to write to you about your comments on Ric Flair's loss of confidence around the 1991 Great American Bash. It seems like everyone in the wrestling world is focused on enabling Ric Flair and signing off on his bullshit. You are the first people I've heard call him out for lack of personal responsibility. I'm an alcoholic in recovery. I've been sober since March 21st, 2014. I understand a little about alcoholism, anxiety, depression, and mental health. What Flair talked about in his book was a cry for help. Uh Uh-oh. The discussion of not being able to drink away his feelings is a clear symptom of serious alcohol use disorder. Alcoholism does not go away. It is a progressive disease. I believe that once you develop alcoholism, you no longer have the ability to drink safely. Keep in mind, this was Ric Flair in 1991, 31 years ago. To see Ric Flair today dancing around at Hogan's Bar does not does not not make me think about the diminishment of his legacy, but of the illness he is suffering and how no one around him seems interested in helping this man, only enabling him. Hogan knows the problems Rick Rick has. By his own admission, Hogan visited Flair in the hospital in 2017. At the time, Flair had emergency bowel surgery, which caused other organs to fail and forced doctors to put him in a medically induced coma. Complicating things was a reported diagnosis based on a, a 2011 Grantland article that Flair had alcoholic cardiomyopathy. The odds of Ric Flair surviving this ordeal were low, yet he pulled through. He even had a colostomy bag removed, which was expected to be permanent. In 2017, Flair told People Magazine that he did not think he was an alcoholic, but apparently he was. Yet today, Flair is dancing around on Terry's tabletops, spouting off about WWE not calling him to offer condolences over his latest failed marriage and generally using his podcast to air his resentments. Everything is misdirected, and he has enough of a reputation that those around him feed into his addiction. Feed into his addiction to gain access or some financial gain. I've seen pictures online of all the regulars like Bischoff and Hogan having drinks with a guy who as recently as 2017 said he had a problem. His latest wife who nursed him to health had enough. Frankly, I'm amazed Rick is still alive. 
It sickens me to see him online luxuriating in his illness with the encouragement of people he thinks are his friends. Does Hogan need money this much that he that he needs an elderly, sick, and drunken Ric Flair cavorting around his bar? I felt compelled to write because I have not heard anyone recently talk about Flair, his obvious problems, and remember the 2017 hospitalization. In closing, because this is the lapsed fan, thank you for stretching out my ass and showing me the true meaning of pain. So there goes the StarCast invitation. Yep. (laughs) Yes. Uh, what did we say when when we went to the first Starcast? Our our mission was to get uninvited. Yes, yes. Um, I think they may have two, and, believe, and hilariously, it took two times before that started happening. And did we not? actually? Actually, no, because we were invited for part three, but we had to turn that down. So it was going to keep going. We uh we did um we did notice uh, Stephanie McMahon's announcement that she's stepping yes. away from her corporate responsibilities at WWE and. Uh, Vince Stradamus strikes again. I mean, lapsed Vince Stradamus. Uh, He's given you prophecy on those StarCast uh, monologues, okay? So true. And um, as things, you know, from Cody returning to WWE, which we called in 2018, the very weekend AEW basically started at All In, to uh, the fact that Triple H and Stephanie will not be handed over the reins of WWE, which seemed a shocking thing to suggest when we, you know, talked about it at StarCast 2 in 2019, uh, keep minding for gems because uh, lapsed mm-hmm. fence, as you know, mm-hmm. um, very prescient is, is so that prescient man. and is so sort of simpatico with the actual neurons that fire in Vincent K. McMahon's brain that it becomes eerie at a certain point. So, yeah, um, good luck to Nate. I hope he survives what's coming up. And uh, I have to ask mm. myself if Ric Flair is and, and was and has been an alcoholic. Um, could he have been Ric Flair had he not been uh, the eighties? That is that is that that is a very much the, the the. But here here's the question: um, Does he need to be Ric Flair now? Yes. You know, does he? I'm not saying he does for me. I'm saying he does for him. The, I, I, the, the that, verdict that, is that, in on therein that. Therein lies one. therein lies the problem because you know I've never met Richard Flair, but I'd like to meet him someday. <laughs> Well, maybe we'll might maybe we'll we'll make it out to Nashville after all. Maybe. Uh, so, um, very good stuff. So, thanks, Matt, for the for the insight. It's interesting, you know, especially him writing that email before the news yep. of Flair coming back surfaced. Um, so we also uh, move on to some reaction to us discussing RoboCop under the Cinemat because we did cover mm. the movie, and uh, as anybody knows, RoboCop is eligible for under the Cinemat because RoboCop yes. appeared in World Championship Wrestling at Capital Combat. That and also because one uh, Gene LaBelle did do uncredited stunts on the film. Yes, that's also uh, an important uh, dimension mm-hmm. of it. But one of the things we spent some time wondering is, was it Peter Weller, the gentleman who plays RoboCop mm-hmm. in the actual film, who showed up at Capital Combat 90, it was, right? 90? Um, to, uh, yes, 1990. To free Sting from the... Well, um, yes, yes. To free Sting from the, the bars, the prison bars. And uh, we kind of concluded that it was because it just seemed reading between the lines on what little had been written and recorded about that event and how that all came together, that it, would, it was sort of like a, a cooperation with Turner, who was financing the movie and Turner Home Entertainment. Um, yeah. So, yes, right. But there is a, a picture out there that um, um, he, I, I think he pronounced it, Andrew Dice Clay um, on Twitter had put out. 
of Sting and Russell Towery, T-O-W-E-R-Y. Russell Towery is a, um, a veteran stuntman of Hollywood. And um, it's a picture of him and Sting backstage at Capital Combat 90. And he's got the full RoboCop outfit on, boss, but he does not have, and I'll send it to you here, but he does not have the um, helmet on. So you can see his mm. face and you can pretty well tell it is not Peter Weller. I've never seen this picture before. But um, yeah, that's not no, no, that's not Peter Weller. No, so I'm now also it would be also. I mean, really, to to settle to settle the debate is to look up how tall Sting is and how tall Peter Weller is. Yeah, yeah. If you could believe that kayfabe number, Sting is six foot two. Yep, I can believe that. He's not that tall, so I mean that yep. that makes sense to me. I can see Sting being three inches taller than me. Yep. Um. And then Peter Weller. What do we got, Peter Weller? What do we got, pal? Oh, we don't have a height. Motherfucker. Piece of yeah, shit. I don't know if that was going to work. Hate Peter There's Weller. no way Peter Weller. Let's be honest. There's I, no I, mean, I agree. I agree. No, he's ooh, he's supposedly six foot even. Okay. That does not help the cause. That does not cause. solve the problem. But, but thanks to... Uh, That's not him, though. That's not him. No. That's definitely... No. So, but but now we know who it is, uh, which I think yeah. is significant. Um so thanks to Jesus Zoidberg for pointing that out to us uh, on Patreon in response to our coverage of the film RoboCop, a really fun episode of Under the Cinemat. That was fun. Uh, I mean, you for, think he would? You think he would have talked about it at some yeah, point? Yeah, at some point, or someone would have talked about meeting Peter Weller at a WCW event. You know, I think some people at WCW met this stunt guy and thought it was RoboCop. And he does look a lot like him. I will say, I mean, there, there are some, if you look at, I I just did a quick Google search for Peter Weller in 1990 and there, there definitely are some similarities, but the, the, the eyes don't No, They don't, they don't work. He's got Peter Weller's got like weirder eyes and it's certainly a more, a more pronounced, I don't know. His, his, his cheeks and jaw are definitely pronounced like Peter Weller's. Well, isn't that the idea for a stunt double, even if they're under a helmet, is you pick someone that looks like the actor? I mean, for sure. For sure. That's what we have here. But in a blurry photo, though, you just, you know, you can't tell for for sure. Right. But, you know. So I consider consider the case closed. All I needed is a name. You know, if it's not him, who is it? Right. And until I get a name, I'm not going to say for sure it wasn't Peter Weller. But I think now we can move on from that. Uh, Frank Kirshner, thank you very much for upping your pledge on Patreon and continuing to support that cast. Same to Robert Ritchie. It's always so rewarding, boss, to see folks that get in at that 316 testing, you know, just a couple inches in their ass, and, and as time goes, full, full 10 inches. Yes. You know, it's, yes. Oh, fuck yes. As they increase that pledge over time to realize that, like, holy shit, like, I wasn't doing them a favor by pledging. They were doing me a favor by giving me content at that amount. That's right. That's um, right. That, that's exactly how it is. And I think in some ways, um, uh, uh, John uh, in Tampa, our good friend John in Tampa, puts it well. If you can convey his his thoughts upon sure, sort of assessing. I do want to say before we get into that, I I, I do want to comment as we're, as we're talking about Cinemat and stuff. Someone did uh, post on Twitter uh, that they said we all know that wrestling isn't once. It, it, this is the size size matters. S Y Z E. We all know that wrestling isn't what it once was, but I'm curious how the boss feels about movie scoring. It used to be better. Oh, wow. Yes, I agree with that. <laughs> For it used sure. to be better. Movie scoring used to be better. Nowadays, it's it's not it's just not nearly as good. There's there used to be when a theme was created for a movie, it used to follow through the movie. Like you'd 
you'd hear it played. Not necessarily every move, every cue would have the theme in it, but you'd, you'd, you'd know that there was a theme and you'd feel it, but you know, it just, that's kind of gone away for just music, if yeah. you will. And yeah, it's, it's not, you know, I used, you know, there are certainly some soundtracks, some movie scores that are a great listen, just like to sit down and listen to them. But you don't, you don't get that anymore. Not even close. Yeah, rarely, last, rarely do you get that word. Felt the way watching a movie you felt when the feather flies in the ending of Forrest Gump, for instance. You know? No, no, no. no. I, I used to listen to that score all the time. I, the Absolutely. music is so good in that. There's so many different themes that that play throughout. So just not even, it's not even part of the movie making yeah. playbook anymore. It doesn't seem like. Yes. Like, like it used to be. Um, dear Laps co-chairs, after the embarrassment of riches, that was the back-to-back drops of Robocop uh, going under the cinemat and the Elimination Chamber call, I must put my praise and thanks to you both and flex a little on the freeloaders mm-hmm. and less fortunate lower-tier losers. Mm-hmm. $20 a month? That's less than I pay for an AMC A-list membership. Yes, I get three free movie passes a week, but you know what I don't get? Jack providing Morrow in the Tokyo Dome style play-by-play of cinematic fight <laughs> scenes and Boss performing soul-stirring accompaniment to film soundtracks. Guys, JP singing the RoboCop theme is absolutely majestic. Working on clipping it for my ringtone. And yes, I would buy that uh-huh. for $20. Sounds like you already did, John. I know, no, seriously. Um, to the lapsed freeloaders, I encourage you to take the EP plunge. To the lower tier members, stop acting like Vince Vaughn and Wedding Crashers playing just the tip just for a second just to see how it feels. Lube up and take the full length already. Finally, I humbly would like to share a realization question that came to me post Super Bowl, week, Super Bowl weekend. Will any given Sunday Ooh. be taken under the cinemat? You have WrestleMania 11 main eventer in a pivotal scene and an appearance by the man who would become the boogeyman. Remember him? The guy Johnny Ace told we can't have liars in the WWE. <laughs> Not only that, but um, um, star from Batman Returns, Andrew Bierski. Also. Oh, sure. Uh, he was a wrestler, as we talked about. He was about, a wrestler. He was a trained plan. wrestler. So we, I, I, I will say, any given Sunday, it has been on the list for quite a while. Oh, wow. Look at that. So and to say nothing of sure. the fact that WWE pay-per-views can take place on any given Sunday. I should say That's, premium live <laughs> any given Saturday either now, the two these days. No, I should share, I should share this that uh, uh, people probably are interested. I'm not going to name them all. But we, I can honestly tell you right now that there are don't you don't well over probably coming close to 400 movies on the list of <laughs> for under the cinema that's a lot of $20 pledges <laughs> you know you know 400 movies for sure and it's um yeah yeah it's real it's very real oh yeah as long as, as, willing, as, as long as we have willing recipients, <laughs> we stand ready, you know? So, I'm excited. 
Um, uh, thanks again for all the laughter and pain and in the, and in true under the cinematic tradition after this week's content, I can only say ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> Jack and JP. That's that how it lovely. goes. Thank you very much for the kind letter, John. And thanks for your support. Uh, Philip Bain writes to us on Patreon. His name is Robo. He is a cop. His name is Robocop. I won't be able to hear that without singing those lyrics ever again. But that's, that is the truth. I, I, I have caused many people that kind of pain. <laughs> he is a robot. He is a car. <laughs> he is a robocar. And there's a lot of, you know, I think you know by now, if you've listened to the lapsed fan for any length of time, you know there's long-term storylines here. There's long-term mm-hmm. booking, right? We've, we've learned from the best. And uh, sometimes the, the long-term booking is inadvertent, as Ben Stark noticed. He points out to us on Patreon, apologies if this has been mentioned, but I'm re-listening to the 2003 SummerSlam cast posted in August 2017. And a listener named James writes in about AWA wrestling for a cure, and both co-chairmen are yep. very intrigued. Yep. Long-term booking, brother. So, uh, yes, if you want to uh, make real, as I think Michael, I think probably the same Michael did, um, you need to keep your eyes peeled on our Twitter account, at the Lapsed Fan for the announcement on the details of the next time that fucking hopper opens once again. We mm-hmm. talked about it earlier. It's a race to the top. Who's got the nuts? We run an auction. You email us your bids. It goes uh, for, you know, eight or nine or ten hours throughout the course of a single day. And um, the winner gets to pick the show we cover and come on and join us for a chat. And um, it's always worth it. Look forward to reopening that hopper ever so briefly. Yep. Once again, coming up soon. Ted Booz, always appreciate deeply his support. Thanks for the recent increase in pledge, my friend. Dave writes to us on Patreon with the deluge of references this episode and the presence of Bob Euchre at WrestleMania 4 and 5. Is this hope for us that Major League will soon be under the cinemat? Uh, I can tell, I can check right now for you. You know, if I, I, I feel like um, it might be on for another reason. I don't know. I'm not sure yet if... I know Major League Two is on the list, but yes. um, I'd have to. I don't know. I don't know about Euchre. Euchre. That's a stretch. I don't know. Look, you know, I only know of Euchre's one-offs at three and four. Did he have other? I don't time? think so. Was he... No, no. I just think of Andre choking him. You know that that famous visual, right? But like he didn't come on the regular television. He was just kind of. I think he actually. Hmm, he may have done one of those raw guest host spots, but we've talked about the raw guest host thing. If we open it to that, jeez. I mean, I guess it. Works. I know. I, I, guess I can't qualifies. do that because that that because you know what they weren't there for their appreciation of wrestling or at least to even feign it. They're there, literally, to promote whatever project they're doing. Yeah, yeah. That's almost celebrity like celebrity on the show. There was once a commercial during Raw for a movie. Does that movie count? Because they there was like a tie. Right. You know? Right. I don't know. We, we, you know, as as with anything in the TLF solar system, we reserve the right to do whatever the fuck we want. So if we want to bend and stretch the rules to put a movie in there, fine. If we don't want to do yeah, a movie, I mean, and, we found a way. We found ways before. Yes, correct. So perhaps I love Major League, so I'm I'm favorably disposed towards it. I'll put it Some that way. Tom Berenger in that <laughs> under the cinemat. Almost, it's almost Tom Bellington. It sounds close enough. Maybe that. <laughs> it does sound close enough. This is funny. Before the uh, the Russian invasion of Ukraine, Tim wrote to us. Uh, a, a link to the, um, well, I think it was the weekend of, uh, t- to the RT website where um, Jesse and Tyrell used to work, and he sent us a link. It doesn't even work anymore. Uh, oh, my God. But it's uh, Tyrell um, and his bio on the Russia Today website. While bringing a fun, self-effacing, but confident swagger to the proceedings, Tyrell speaks from the heart on all issues and is not afraid of speaking truth to power. Tyrell Ventura has traveled a fascinating and diverse path in the entertainment industry. 
I agree with that. Oh, yeah? You know, Tyrell. Fascinating and quite, diverse path? Absolutely. How so? You, you tell anybody who's done the path of Tyrell, and I'll tell you that's wrong. It's a lie. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo, and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. So, Jess, I, I know you're, you know, <laughs> after the invasion, you cut ties with RT. You no longer work for them, or at least, you know, you no longer appear. You, you still getting checks? You still getting checks from well, um, Moscow? <clears throat> well, I mean, you got to, first of all, let me tell you something that my financial, uh, my financial situation isn't anyone else's business. It's private. You know, I don't ask you where you get your money from, do you? Do I? Uh, yeah, you kind of do, yeah. When did I say that? Well, I think in general you would kind of expect people to be transparent about things like that. I do expect people to be transparent about whatever they feel they should be transparent about. But, I mean, you, you have a voice here. You can, you know, shape public uh, imagination and public thought. I think that I do that. Issues. I think I definitely, I think there's one thing so that we, I can do as the country's only third-party candidate that I believe. <laughs> so are we not entitled to a full breakdown of your, I you know, influencing... <clears throat> what I'm trying to say is that as the uh, as the country's only represented third party candidate, that there is a uh, you know that there is a need for transparency. Well, I couldn't agree more. So you've cut ties with RT, correct? I have cut ties with different organizations. Have you cut ties over the with RT? Of my existence, yes, cut, I have. Okay, you've cut ties with RT. Do they still pay you in any way, shape, or form? Well, I mean, you answered the question right there. You said you asked me if I cut ties. I said yes. If you cut ties with somebody, do they pay you still? They could. Then you didn't cut ties. Tyrell. So you're, so you're confirming that you and no member of your family is no longer compensated by Russia today, correct? I can tell you right now that the that the global con that the global compensation of the Ventura family is um well it's it's substantial <laughs> have you ever eaten borscht with that edward snowden <laughs> yes is the answer jess moving on moving on i i you know the thing about that is 
you know, there was a time when he and I did, you know, we did break bread together. Um, you know, uh, uh, I, (laughs) I invited him to my mansion in Mexico one time and we did indeed, we, we, uh, we broke, we broke tortillas and we, uh, you know, we drank, we drank some wine and, and that was it. What did he tell you about the NSA? Anything new you can share? If I, the thing is, I would gladly tell you. However, there were, uh, if I did tell you, there would be a guarantee that about 500 people would lose their lives. <laughs> I don't think that that's safe to just divulge that on a, on a public record. Jess, are you going to put um, your Mexican address as your campaign headquarters when you file papers to run for president of the United well, States? Well, I'll tell you, you know, I'd, I'd gladly do that if they'd, uh, you know, if they'd let me in on the debates. Jess, do- <laughs> Um, <laughs> all right, we'll see. I mean, <laughs> I think a third party candidate is in order. I think it's just what we need this election cycle. And, uh, yeah, I agree. I don't, I don't but think you know they what? want you to run. I, I They're really... not, they don't want me in the, they won't let me in on the debates. You know why? Cause you live in Mexico. That's part of it. They also know I'd win. Jesse, are you off the grid? Do you have I remain it? permanently, gladly, and publicly off the grid. So how do you follow news flow? How do you follow what's happening, you know, in politics? I have resources. I have people in all different uh, areas, arenas of the government who, uh, who, who, who are able to contact me in their own private ways. Without, but I keep everything off the grid. Without the use of telecommunications, you're saying? I don't, you know, listen, I have... Jesse, can, I have, Jess, can you Skype... What I can do is I will gladly, uh, you know, I will travel to uh, to another place where I can where I can create some kind of telecommunication uh, in on on at at the own at my house at my uh, at my hacienda. <laughs> I believe uh, what so we have is <laughs> you'll travel to some place in your house to use telecommunication. <laughs> As in the next room over where there is a computer with internet. <laughs> Very off the grid of you. <laughs> and Jess, why can't we know your exact coordinates? I mean, what is it that you know that creates... Because I'm never... <laughs> well, to be quite honest, I'm never in the same coordinates for more than 20 seconds. <laughs> Constantly moving off the grid. All right, Jess. I just loved it. Like I love someone to film his reaction if someone just hovered a drone over his hacienda. For <laughs> imagine that square jawed, you know, just like staring at this thing. You know, arms crossed. What the fuck is that? I'm just here. You know, here I am. Try to enjoy I'm just trying to live in my own private, uh, you know, residence, and you're people trying to spy on me. Right. His humble abode with a horchata. He's just trying to enjoy a horchata. I'm just... Listen, I... I'm, I'm listening. Thinking, I'm, I'm listening. <laughs> you know, on the afternoon, I just like to sit outside on my, on my deck... All right, having uh, a horchata and, uh, you know, just uh, having some chips and salsa. 
I don't think that's a problem. <laughs> I, don't think it's a, I don't think it's a problem either, Jess. In fact, hundreds of thousands of Americans do it every weekend to say nothing of Cinco de Mayo. So uh, good, best to you and Tyrell in your campaign for presidency from Mexico and Russia. I, w- <laughs> I want to be clear. It's not the presidency of Mexico. We're talking the presidency from Mexico. <laughs> yeah, the Constitution makes an allowance for that. It's a subtlety I don't think a lot of people noticed in the 24th Amendment. Indeed. Thanks, Jess. Justin Hornecker, thank you, my friend, for your generous pledge on Patreon. Welcome in. Jamie Appleby, same to you. Get that fucking cake. Good evening, gentlemen. Around 2004, writes Patrick, I met Lou Albano at an autograph signing at a place called Holy Cannoli in Worcester. <laughs> wow. I know Holy Cannoli, baby. Let's fucking go in the diner city. That's awesome. Uh, I'll leave you to decide what to do with that information. Well. <laughs> I think you just did it. <laughs> I, one of the things I'm going to do with that information is envisage, envisage Lou Albano in a fucking cannoli factory and just. How Correct. how smeared in residue his bare stomach was by the time he walked out of there. <laughs> Walking around selling, looking for Dr. Papoofnik the whole time. Ryan Morris, thanks for the increase in pledge, my friend. We deeply appreciate it. Always good to hear from ZV Esquire, um, who we hear from all the time on Patreon. Um, <laughs> right. All of the former and current ERISA attorneys in the lapsed community are loving that defined benefits reference finding its way into that cast. We discuss, if nothing else, boss, we're a, we're a podcast about pensions. Yes, indeed. Uh, he writes, I had the WWF duffel back in the day. Oh, baby. We talked about that Ooh. fucking sweet piece of merch, didn't we? The first piece of merchandise I ordered was a Brutus Beefcake Ringer t-shirt. Speaking of the Coliseum collection, Ringer tees much? Talking about 85, 86. I know, right? Um, and I think a poster, uh, the duffel was included for free with my order. Wow. Uh, imagine a time where they apparently had too many of those duffels, so they were just giving them away. He also suggests new t-shirt. Front is the classic lapsed logo. Back saved me from living a life where I was bound to be disappointed by every new experience. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of words, but it's not wrong. Uh, Anthony writes to us, Randy Orton was supposed to be cast in one of the Marine sequels. We talked about uh, Randy Orton's film career. What, what film was it? I, I don't even remember the name of it. Which one? Under the Cinemat, the Randy Orton project we covered. Oh, uh, we did The Condemned 2. Condemned 2, and we wondered if Randy was supposed to be in the Marine franchise. Um, and Anthony clarifies, yes, Randy Orton was supposed to be cast in one of the Marine sequels, but WWE Films ended up pulling him since they got shit for attempting to cast someone that got a dishonorable discharge from the Marines for wow. going AWOL. Oh, there we go. Must have heard voices in his head that told him to yeah. abandon his post. Uh, Daniel writes to us, took me forever in 85, 86 to finally find LJNs. Kept finding the thumb wrestlers, which I had, Hogan and Stud, thank you. And they tore at the thumb hole after, as time That's went right. on. And all they had was Hillbilly Jim and, uh, wait a minute, uh, hard plastic, and AWA hard plastic ones instead. The thumb wrestlers and the AWA Remco ones he's talking about. Finally found them at Toys R Us, LJNs, and all they had was, there's some serendipity, Hillbilly Jim, boss. Wow. And Bundy, so that was the first big blow-off in my territory. I was Greg Valentine, as I felt that was the closest facsimile to what I'd look like as a wrestling figure when I was an adult. I never put the big strap on myself, but I was a solid IC work rate type talent. So, you know, yeah, we have memories of the Hasbros. Folks have memories of the LJNs. We respect that. Paul writes to us, I remember the fam renting a VCR as well as tapes from RSE Video for a long weekend of viewing Bonanza. My brother and I each got a choice. 
usually at least one WWF vid, as well as my dad's choice, also usually a WWF vid. I also remember borrowing an NWA, Dr. Dre and the crew, not Jim Crockett, cassette from the library. Nobody was more gangster than that preteen, middle-class, Midwestern white boy, the glorious fall day when that tape went into my Walkman. So that's a you know, recollection, obviously, in keeping with the Coliseum collection of yeah. the magic of renting physical media and how, how, how many memories that are being stripped away from this generation by not offering them that, that option. Our good friend Austin writes to us, I'm listening next to my sleeping wife. When the co-chairs go nuts with the soundboard. <laughs> holding back deep belly What's going on here? Holding back deep belly laughs is causing me more pain than a bonsai drop from the zunes. As always, fucking thing sucks. I'm appreciative of the pain the cast bestows upon me. I was doing coke at that time. <laughs> I ate a lot. I think I- I think that's it, what's so galling to me. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I love just I love the idea of rumbling stomachs in lapsed bedrooms around the country. Why people listen to us as they fall asleep, I'll never fucking know. I don't understand that. I think mean, that to me, that is probably one of the most amazing, amazing things is that somebody wants to put us on. While while they're going to sleep, that, that to me that seems like the most unhealthy thing you could possibly do. Yeah, it's probably because if you, and not even if you just have. I mean, we've heard the stories about 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 people not only waking up their wives uh, or or significant others, but also people waking up in like cold sweats from nightmares because they have us in their ass. It, it's amazing. It probably has something to do with you know, the shame they feel in listening to the podcast and trying to put us on at a time where they won't get questions about what's so funny, what are you listening to, etc. So they try to sneak it in on the sly. But uh, no, it's, it's you're not going to be able to pull that off. You're not going to be able to pretend to be asleep with us going hard. In fact, it makes anybody who tried to stifle a laughter in fucking grade school knows that something is four times funnier when you're not supposed to laugh than when you're free exactly. to laugh. So good luck with that. But I do, I do cherish those visuals in my head of, Solar system members struggling to keep it together in public or in, in the sack, as it were. Uh, Nima writes to us, uh, this is um, looking towards the Hulk Hogan episodes on Bash at the Beach 2000 and his litigious nature, or at least his, his tendency to end up in the crosshairs of the legal system, the courtroom, uh, writes, FYI, in the sex tape, Hogan is on his back and she's on top for three seconds. This is why he was so adamant about bringing down Gawker. No, brother, no, dude. Was his shoulder up the whole time? <laughs> I think he had his hand under a rope that surrounded the bed. Oh, all right, yeah. all right, that, that's okay then. Uh, Sam, our good friend Sam Stevens, right? So if Lee Marshall was Tony the Tiger, does that make Tony Shivani Tony the Tugger based on his desire? To- <laughs> Coming off Austin, Did we say they were all jerking off at Bash of the Beach. Is that what it was? Yeah, some yeah, and Tony was masturbating downwards. Remember. <laughs> He's a southern gentleman. He loves southern wrestling. And he oh, my God. Masturbating in a, in a southerly direction. Uh, why do I do those jerk-off jokes? Because, I don't know, they become fucking immortal. Because we hear about them for months and months after we say them. That's why we do them. Smashing Shivani again. Pants down by his fucking ankles. And he's just aiming south. <laughs> Not unlike a cow udder, you know? 
or is, I mean, maybe he's, no. You know what? He's got one foot. So so one foot is up on like a like a like a like a like a, like a, a chair. All right, and then his his pants are wrapped around the ankle of one of his other leg that's on the ground, and there he's like just jerking. <laughs> jerking. Uh. Look, looking ahead to uh, uh. the Austin three sixteen episode, Declan in Omaha wants Fans. us to know. Stone Cold owes my dad, fellas. <laughs> I tweeted the other day about my father passing and him being the rare good mm-hmm. dad who indulged mm-hmm. me in my wrestling fandom. Wanted to share a quick story of how he ensured Stone Cold beat The Rock for the title at the Mains 15. It was Thanksgiving night of 98 when my dad called me into the kitchen. He had the turkey wishbone and said I needed to make a wish. I wished for Stone Cold to win back the title. We broke the wishbone and my dad came away with the bigger end. I was disappointed knowing that Stone Cold wouldn't get the title back when my dad said, Declan, don't be upset. Maybe my wish was for your wish to come true. Ooh. The rest Ooh. is history. Thanks for the laughs and pain. It's that kind of stuff, folks, are compelled to share with us those innermost wrestling fan memories. Sure. I like those. Unique to wrestling fans. Jobber, thank you very much for your pledge. Welcome in uh, to that elite company of pledging members of the TLF Solar System. Our good friend and trusted advisor, James Irwin, writes, on Coronation Street, I mean, talk about something we've heard about oh. over and over again with not the first idea what it was at first. Tell them about Coronation Street and why it's relevant here, boss. I mean, it's it's a it's a show. It's a soap opera, a British soap opera that is constantly referenced on. On um, uh, uh, the what, what, BT Sports page, every pay-per-view where, <laughs> where they basically say, shouldn't these guys be working for Coronation Street or East Enders? It's one of those two that they always <laughs> yes, reference. Yes. James uh, educates a bit. Coronation Street is just a run-of-the-mill soap opera that's been on terrestrial British TV for over 60 years, so it's a bit of an institution. That's why it's become a byword for something that's scripted and predictable. East yeah. Enders is very similar, but it's on the BBC. So there you go. <laughs> Learning more about the UK every day here. And then Alfita Sane Pet as well. That's another so, one, yeah. All these legendary, these legendary, uh, and look at that one actually had a carny worker in the cast. In the cast, that's right. So, look at that. Amongst them was the infamous Pat Roach. Uh, Jason right. writes to us on Patreon, um, and this is this has some utility as we approach the Captain Lou Albano personality profile tape coming up in the Coliseum collection. He writes, supposedly Ugh. Vince hated Captain Lou with a passion. Good. Vince Jr., of course. Of course, you know, Lou worked for Vince's dad for two decades before Vince Jr. took over. I guess when Vince was coming up, but dad still owned the company, Albano didn't read the room, would constantly shit-talk him, call him Jr., and just be a general ass. Not a good plan, pal. Yep. But we'll get a glimpse at a time before that became obvious, uh, coming up soon. Um, On Father's Day, Paul wrote, oh, no, maybe it wasn't on Father's no. Chico Mania's Running Wild Brothers. Shout out to all the dads out there that didn't tell us to turn that fake shit off and were fans with us. Yeah. Yeah, as much as we uh, lampoon the state of dads, you know, make, making justified yes. fun of us for watching wrestling, we do also have to, like, shout out those those dads. And those moments among those other dads where they just kind of grinned and bared it for us, you know? Yep, they, they allowed that is true. Them, allowed themselves to kind of get invested in it because it would enhance our experience. I it's a unique thing, and I was thinking about this um, when I watched the excellent two-part documentary series by Judd Apatow on HBO about George Carlin's life. It was oh. A really, uh, highly recommended four-hour jaunt uh, over two parts. And wow. It was, it was an emotional ride for me as a lifetime devotee of Carlin, 
For sure. They were talking, and I realized one of the things I love the most about him, and in terms of like my warmest memories, was when his HBO specials would come on. Big moment. You know, he's live on stage. He's coming. Oh, yeah. Brand new material. He's been workshopping on the road for months and months. And some of my warmest memories of Carlin are sitting down with my parents and kind of, Mm. I guess, making them watch it. They weren't opposed to it, but yeah. It was. I was still kind of young for them to be comfortable being in the same room as a comedian dropped out. How did you get, you know, I've never asked this over our, you know, 20 plus years of friendship. When, when did you first, how did you get introduced to George Carlin? Like, how did that, that seems so interesting because you've been, yeah, Carlin fan for ever. Yeah. Um, It's a good question. I, I know it was back in town, his 1996 special in New York. Uh, which okay. I think is his best special ever. And it was on HBO in my bedroom one summer night in 1996 or seven, I want to say. There was, mm-hmm. some, there, there was a magical time there in those summers uh, in early high school before you had a job, right? And it was literally just like <laughs> nothing to do every single day for an entire summer. And yeah. That's when you discover things on television because you're just so goddamn bored and staying up so late because you can sleep as late as your heart desires for the most part the next day. Uh, I assume a lot of people had this experience. I know I did. And a lot of folks, you know, can't break those habits for the rest of their lives, as a matter of fact. (laughs) They end up. uh, So true. That's why they end up pursuing careers as mixed martial artists because they can get up at two o'clock every day. (laughs) Um, So it's. uh, it's one of those times where I was just I just had on I just had HBO on and he came on there and it just I I froze in place and I watched the whole thing and I taped it and I played it over and over again then I bought it on CD and I played it wow. over and over again you know I like cleaned my room for hours listening to that thing uh, it was like it made me want to do things so I could listen to it while I did it you know and yeah then I had a job yep. with a huge commute yep. like an hour and a half and I would go through the whole catalog in, in my car that sounds familiar <laughs> absolutely absolutely and um. Yeah, it probably was a little bit of a early seed planting. Like, hey, this is actually a way to make a miserable commute go by much faster. To have this, yeah. is, pretty, this is pretty much pre-podcast. You know, the term right, existed. Of course. We're talking like oh four. Um, yep. like Adam Carolla had the only podcast that was yeah, known right, as a podcast. Oh my God, remember that? Yep, because it was iPods, right? That's where it came from. And so, yeah, um, right. yeah but just. You know, that was kind of like when we're going all these hours on TLF, that that's, I guess, part of the tailwind of it for me. It's like, no, people, there are people that need something that's this long and this engaging and this conversational, you know, this right. long in particular, because there are, there's some drudgery out there that we can help people. Because, because you know what, it, you know, as a fan, as, as someone who, who spent my early post-college life literally driving for work as a, as a PA on, on different shows, it's um, <clears throat> nothing would make me more upset than like it was basically I had my three my three uh, shifts of radio when I was on the road during the day in the morning. Like when I first moved to L.A., it was still Howard Stern. He had yet to go to uh, to Sirius. Um, then it was ironically Adam Carolla. Honestly, his show came yep, on. Yep. Um, and I used to love Corolla's show. And so it would be Corolla. It would be um, – I would listen to uh, uh, this trio called Frosty, Heidi, and Frank, who I used to fucking love. Nice. And then in the evenings, it was Tom Likas. Um, oh, Tom Likas. And, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. We've talked it's about like him. Tom Likas. <laughs> fucking creep. Um, but um, 
So, but I used to hate it because I'd want to pick up where I left off, you know, earlier with, with the guy, with the show. And then, you know, at one point when I'm doing in between runs, the obviously one show ends and the other starts and I'm like, eh, I'm not ready for these guys yet. You know, I have to get used to it. So for sure to be able to have a, an on-demand, you know, system uh, or show where you can kind of go back and not lose anything and not huge. miss anything. I think it's huge. It is huge. And I, you know, that's the thing I think about us in this podcast is we knew the need for a show that's this long before we made a show that was this long. Right. It wasn't like we right. made one with just like no clue as to whether it fit into anybody's life out there. We knew that like, you know, mm-hmm. if you're going to actually develop a bond with a listener that amounts to anything at the end of the day, besides just, you know, them using you uh, for half hour to just, I don't know, bridge the gap when they're working out or whatever people do when they listen to podcasts. If you want to really create like a connection with your listener to where they're willing to spend money on the podcast and support you so you can actually make, make it a business, make it a thing, you have to um, be there for them in those long, long periods of life where it can either be, you know, your, your brain can either be elsewhere, right? Mm-hmm. Kind of firing away as you kind of take something in. You're sort, it's like a passive engagement, but it's, a, it's an active, warm listening experience, but you don't have to read. You don't have to turn pages. You don't have to focus. Right. You can still drive, still do the dishes, still work out, still uh, do laundry, still grocery shop, whatever it might be. And it's like, I feel like for both of us, you mentioned L.A., I mentioned commuting like back and forth for, for, for a while like that. Yeah. We knew already where something like this fits. I think that mm-hmm. gave us a little bit more confidence to just go as long as we wanted because we knew that totally. there were use cases, so to speak, for a podcast like that. Yeah, so I completely agree. But uh, the Carlin thing was just the most exciting thing was getting my parents to watch it and, and, and letting him crack them up. Right, just sitting back and just seeing what I already knew it was going to land with me. What was exciting was to see what would land with other people. Mm. You know, that's what it's kind of why, even though I kind of dread it, I also kind of love watching pro wrestling around people that aren't huge pro wrestling fans because it gives you yeah. this kind of like study as to what lands with average people that don't have all the same frame of reference that you do. Because it's very easy to get lost in like this is what I know. And this is what I pick up on when I watch something right. before it's good. It's like, no, it's it's. That's not an objective call. That, that's really, you know, like when, when guys give wrestlers all kinds of praise for doing callbacks to a prior match in a rematch. You know, like that's right. like a huge thing. It's like, oh, last time he hit him with that move. This time he teased it and he missed it. Oh, it's like, yeah, that's, that's playing to a very narrow sort of band of spectator that knows that already. And there's nothing wrong with that. And I like it. I enjoy it like any other real hardcore wrestling fan would. But that doesn't mean it's going to land with the person you know, sitting, sitting on the couch, watching this, who can either be turned on or off to watch again. You yeah. Know, and those people should always yeah. be kept in mind. I think when wrestlers are putting together matches or promos or whatever, but, um, but yeah, just, just, just like how they would get my mom to, how George Carlin get my mom to crack up, even though she was kind of nuts, not comfortable watching F bombs yep. fly with a 12 year old oh. sitting on the living room floor. I love it. I just, you know, I just, so George, I just, you know, to realize that so many other people in the absolute hierarchy of comedy and filmmaking, you know, Bette Midler uh, is in there, Jerry Seinfeld, Chris Rock, Steve Colbert, John Stewart, Stephen Wright. Um, they talked to, obviously, uh, his daughter. I'm trying to think of other luminaries that were in there. Anybody that, that, that's meant to shit, you know, 
<laughs> in comedy. Uh, yeah. Carlin kind of was their underpinning, was, was showing them the way in some significant way. A Patton Oswalt is all over, the, all over the dock and has great things to say. Um, just wonderful to see that, that that wasn't just my experience with Carlin, that it was, it was everybody was, was turning to him in that way within a certain uh, world, within a certain circle. So on my mind big time this weekend, George Carlin. Sure. So uh, we go now to Neil, our good friend Neil, who um, wants us to know, WWF duplicating the Randy Savage manager search. This is very serendipitous because the last Coliseum Collection episode we did was on WWF's Amazing Managers. Mm-hmm. And it features, you know, the sweepstakes to see who would manage this hot new free agent, the Macho Man Randy Savage, in 1985. And Neil points out that this would be a WWF trope, if you could say so, over the years. Yeah. Your coverage of Randy Savage's manager search in the Coliseum Collection reminded me of a similar angle or reminded me of similar angles that WWE tried afterwards to try and garner the same excitement for incoming wrestlers. I think this kind of story is a winner every time, and it is disappointing that more wrestling companies don't employ it. These free agent bidding wars make a wrestler uh, who is set to debut a much bigger deal and generates a lot of excitement if virtually everyone in the promotion is talking about or looking to curry favor with a new prospect. The first after Savage uh, was when they were hyping the debut of Bam Bam Bigelow, with a variety of managers looking to secure him for their stable, and some even presumptively uh, claiming that Bam Bam had signed with them while highlighting his agility and speed in addition to his size. Below is a video compilation of how this story played out on WWE television. Um, The next instance was in the weeks before Sid Justice's debut. While you don't quite have the same bidding war for Sid, many in the WWE recorded vignettes speculating if Sid was going to be a heel or face and even a few proposing an alliance with Sid. There was a palpable excitement in everyone's voice on what direction he might take and a consensus that he would be a dominant force. The last time they tried doing this angle was kind of lackluster. Under the Giant was returning in 1991, and much like Savage and Bam Bam, all of WWE's current managers vied for his service. Andre was towards the end of his career and and life, so it did feel strange for everyone to be tripping over one another to have him under contract, but it did make his return seem like a much bigger event than than it might have been otherwise. Ultimately, it culminated with Jimmy Hart and Earthquake doing an injury angle with Andre and ending the whole episode on a down note. Um... And he supplies a clip of of, uh, Slick trying to court Andre. As TLF keeps pointing out over the years, wrestling is best when you employ simple stories with attention to detail. Yes. The manager search angle brings out the best in wrestling and should be a regular feature in the sport of kings. People watch the various drafts every year and salivate as to who their team will sign during free agent season. Why can't wrestling capture a similar sense of intrigue? Good note, Neil. I think they think they do that with the draft, but to the point, it's not a bunch of movers and shakers and big money sports agents making the deals. It's just this like um, omniscient WWE authority that's handing down these decisions. Right, right, and and you know, and you know, it's done. It's not done for. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry. Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. 
ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Like it's done for, you know, almost un, it's like, it's, it's weird reasons that maybe nobody cares about. Yeah. Yeah. It's you know? always so, um, such a diluted version of what it could yeah. be. You know, they've tried different things. I remember they had Fox and USA Network when they were on both networks as they still are arguing over who yeah. they were going to draft to their shows and showing the boardrooms of the respective TV. It, it was like hokey as fuck, you know. Right. But when you get these managers, just let these managers who can talk, they're, they're managers because they can talk, right? Just turn it over to them. Let them mm-hmm. flesh out like what if they were really a wrestling manager trying to recruit guys into their stable that would make them big time money, what, what the pitch would sound like, you know, and just let them go. And that's when he, with Heenan and Albano and Jimmy Hart and Fred Blassie doing this to try to get Randy Savage, it's just, it just works itself out because they're just put in an element to just try yeah. to argue with each other in kind of a extemporaneous way. But they would be so prescriptive in their scripting of it now that it would be fucking a pointless exercise. But it's true. I mean, the manager search, it, it makes sense. If there's managers, they should always be looking for their next paycheck, their next gravy yeah. train. Yeah. They shouldn't just be on one guy and that's it and not, not looking about what looking at what's around the corner until they turn on him. I know it's so it's it is so weird, like they um I mean part of it is they 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 ditched managers pretty much altogether anyway, but it, it's so important like it, it, these simple things can make or make somebody. Oh, totally. Can totally make a character. Even if there's already hype around them to like even build more hype. Oh, you know, totally. what's the problem yeah. with that? <laughs> you know, I know. Well, they just fell into this frame of mind where like their top guys need to be able to have 20 minute speeches that hold people's attention. You know, we can't have a top guy that relies on somebody else to do that speech. And that's yeah, just you know wrong. what? 20 just, minute speeches don't keep anyone's attention. No, no. And that's what Kurt Angle is. Like, not even forget wrestling. I'm talking about anywhere. I know. I know. It's remember, so remember that. Remember that. Remember that fucking guy who spoke at our graduation and didn't shut the fuck up oh, yeah. for like 20 to 40 minutes. <laughs> I do. Yeah. I was miserable. Tremendous. I was miserable. I was like, you know what? I can't wait. Like, I, I could not picture a time where I would be free of this guy. I could not, like, like I was, like, checking my watch, and the minutes kept going by, and I'm like, you know, after five more minutes, nope, he's still going. We're never going to, I'm going to be here till I die. Sounds like Hillbilly Jim's Hall of Fame speech, to tell you the it, truth. It, it sounds like Hillbilly Jim's Coliseum video. And, <laughs> and many other Hall of Fame speeches we've seen through the years. But, yeah, I guess MVP is a version of that now. He does a good job. He's kind of it, but they don't, he, he, He's like in these narrow lanes where he's focused on like Bobby Lashley's one program. He's not out trying to build his stable and right. build his representation list and try to get the champion under you know it's um and, and certainly not using the managers they do have to create an instant sensation for a new signing. That's the key. Right. Is like you have to tell the audience this person is important before they're uh familiar with him, before they know what's special about him or her. And there's no better way to do that than to just have these managers all telling you that this guy's huge before you even see him. 
Uh, Jordan writes, yeah. greetings, co-chairman. Hope you're doing well. I wanted to drop a quick comment on one of my favorite parts of the show, the intro rap. Shout out to Postal. Legendary. Always oh, yeah. um, always a key part of the, uh, the crest, the family crest that is TLF. Uh, specifically, the line that mentions Jerry Lawler removing his crown. Every time I hear this, I have a distinct vision. Jack and JP are making a slow walk to the ring in a sold-out stadium, admiring the roaring crowd a la Roddy Piper. As the living legends themselves pass by the commentators, Jerry Lawler stands up and removes his crown, cradling it under his arm. <laughs> he smiles and nods approvingly as Jack and JP walk past and gleefully exclaims, Look, JR, it's the Lapsed Fan Podcast. They're number one in the ring. Jordan. I'll take it. I'm glad he just I'll took his it. crown yeah. off and not something else. Yes. Uh, Eric Hodges, thanks very much for increasing your pledge. We appreciate it, my friend. Marcus Crouch, thanks for the support. We love it. Uh, Shane writes to us an apology. And I think we're always, that's one thing about us, right? We're looking for praise, but we're also always looking for apologies. Because oh, for God, yeah. for God's sakes, yes. There's someone out there who's listening who doesn't deserve us, right? And so it's always nice when someone comes around to that realization. Shane is yes. one of them. Let's read his recent uh, missive, boss. <clears throat> Bless me, daddies, for I have sinned. I'm writing this email to you with shame. Hold on here. Shame. Indeed. I have been a Patreon subscriber for many years to, to what is without a doubt the best podcast, not only from start to close, but in history. That's right. Your podcast is the single greatest podcast to ever have been, ever. Wow. The reason for emailing today is that I must enter the lapse confession box because I have been walking around like some kind of scholar, like someone who thinks they are better. Why? Because... I give back. I went back. Or at least I thought I did. For years, I felt that the pleasure I received while listening to the lapsed fan and biting my pillow was enhanced by the fact that I was giving back via, to the cast via Patreon. I thought that my whole, my one whole dollar a month made me the swinging fucking dick, but I was wrong. Every week for countless years, I put you guys in my ears, removed my clothes, allowed you inside me, and screamed, <laughs> I'm back, <laughs> while receiving the lapsed treatment. But I realized that I was nothing but a low-life piece of shit, yes. beta, yes. cuck, bitch. <laughs> I thought that my biggest shame was allowing two grown men penetrate me on a weekly basis as a married man. But now I realize my biggest shame was that I wasn't paying them nearly enough. You're, you're... Shame. Your mama raised now... you right, Shane. Yes. I have now finally learned the error of my ways and nutted up and can now finally say that I'm better than ever. But the sad thing is that I will never learn my lesson. Right. The fact is that I didn't realize how much of a bitch I was until, until daddies took away my candy. Until my $1 pledge stopped me earning my rewards. Stopped me from getting what I need. 
but that doesn't matter. Nothing matters. Opinions certainly don't matter, even when I face facts. Facts. <laughs> all that matters is that I have you, gentlemen. Yes. And that is truly all that I need. So thank you both for everything that you do. Before I go, I would like to shame myself. Shame. One more time for a jukebox request. Can I get Ooh La La by Run the Jewels in the form of Lapsed Lanny? <laughs> you son of a bitch. <clears throat> Give me a second. All right. We'll warm up the pipes here as we continue up the honor roll. Um, can't do that one yet. That's going to require the boss. <laughs> Run the jewels. Did not expect that on the cast. I'll tell you that, that that one caught me by surprise. For very much sure. Uh, Scott Gallagher uh, writes to us on Patreon. Dear co-chairs, come to you today with a statement and a question. We'll get to that here in a moment. What could be his statement? What could be his question? Only time will tell. Okay, here we go. It's funny when they choose these songs. I have no fucking idea. <laughs> Not a Killer Mike fan? Uh, what's that? <laughs> it's what uh, uh, Mr. Ooh. Kennedy used to use. Great start. Come on, Lanny, where you at, son? Let's go. You got bars? Let's get to that bar work. Ooh la la. Wee wee. Ooh la la. Wee wee. Ooh la la. Wee wee. Ooh la la, wee wee. Ooh la la, wee wee. Ooh la la. But <laughs> that's not the lyrics I have. <laughs> get to work, son. Get get your shit together. A... Poor old granddad. I laughed at his all his words. I thought he was a bitter man. I he spoke of women's ways. They'll, oh, that's a different person, I think. Hold on. <laughs> See, this is a problem. When you select a song that Boss is intensely unfamiliar with, you don't know what the fuck he's yes. going to find on a Google search. You don't know if it's yeah, going to different, be. different. What's the name of this band again? Hold on a second. Run the Let Jewels. start over here. That's, that's why. So, Fun while well, lasted. Uh, run my balls. Shout out to Paul Elliott, who's a uh, Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. So I was like looking at some fucking, I don't know. Uh, some kind of band, other like indie fucking band. Anyway, we'll skip ahead here so we don't have to listen to that intro again. Although it was good and it would have worked out great. Nonetheless, here we go. Ah, <clears throat> uh, hey, oh shit. Ooh la la, ah wee wee. Ooh la la, ah wee wee. Hey, Ooh la la, ah wee wee, hey. Ooh la la, ah wee wee, let's go. Ooh la la, ah wee wee, go, go, go. Ooh la la, wee wee, go, go, go. Ooh la la, ah wee wee, ooh la la. 
looking for a miss like I lost a friend. Jump out of my bed like where the bread. You're going to hold an egg, waiter, bring the check. When we talk, we Kalashnikov keep us in our thoughts. Fully dressed at the crack of dawn, weapons letting off. I can hear them from the block, see them creeping through the fog. Season's greetings, now feeding season can start. Oh my God, look alive, looking like I live life on that crooked line. Doing fine. You want maximum stupid, I am the guy. First of all, fuck the fucking law. We is fucking raw. (laughs) Steak tartare, oysters on the half shell, sushi bar, like a bitch, and the Pussy fish still fucked her raw. I'm a dog. I'm a dirty dog. Ha 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 ha. Straight from Ecuador, your man lapsed Lanny. <laughs> As they would play something like that. <laughs> Bar work. More people need to do that on his cameo. Honestly, just have him fucking recite recite rap lyrics. Oh yeah. Thanks for the, yeah, we'll, we'll take the residual checks too, Lanny. Oh, God, that's funny. Good stuff. So you never know what the lap, lapsed jukebox is going to produce. Uh, Turgo, Turgo, thank you very much for your pledge. Uh, Patrick writes to us, news article about Velveteen Dream. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Uh, this might be an odd request, but this article briefly mentions Velvet, Velveteen Dream's theme song. So I have two requests. One, can mm-hmm. we please hear you guys read part of the article? And two, can we please hear... Andre, sing Velveteen oh Dreams theme song. Oh Andre now. Andre is taking up the, and you need to know, the mic. This is not a, uh, there's no lyrics in it. So it's going to be an oh interesting God. vocal challenge for Andre. Uh, mm-hmm. As far as the article, which is screaming. Uh, it, it reads, a wave of sex mayhem has apparently been sweeping New York City, prompting residents to lodge an increasing number of noise complaints to a government helpline. New York is no stranger to noise complaints. New Yorkers file as many as 75,000 a month. But new 311 data obtained by Patch has revealed that many recent complaints arise from those disturbed by their neighbors' late-night ventures. And this includes people uh, talking about, in Cross Bay Boulevard in Queens, 56 complaints were logged about hippies, quote-unquote, allegedly dressing up as Freddy Krueger, Pennywise, and the Easter Bunny, while engaging in coital revelry as the theme song of Velveteen Dream, a pro wrestler, blasted in the background. Jesus. They're still here causing a sex mayhem, a neighbor complained one day at 6 a.m., thought it was too cold outside for an orgy party, doesn't stop this guy, and it doesn't stop Andre from humming (laughs) those sweet tunes, boss. Velveteen Dream, and the Dream, Tremendous Jesus. Scott writes to us again, uh, I tease that already on Patreon, dear co chairs. I come to you today with a statement and a question. 
First, about once every couple of weeks, whenever talking to one of my brothers on the phone, it takes every fiber of my being to not say, in my best lapsed Lanny voice, it's Leaping Lanny Poffo, your brother. We were children together. <laughs> it's, you know, it should be hard. It should be hard for you to do that, to, to not do that. They'd obviously have no idea what the fuck I was talking about, and I'm convinced an explanation would make it, and wouldn't make it any funnier to someone not of this solar system of ours. I would agree but, with that. But, you know, more importantly, it might make, you, make it funnier for you, though. To explain it and to that's them. really what's what the long what the long term goal is. Yeah, what, what's your suggestion? Should you explain to the people in your life what it is you're laughing about when you're caught laughing at TLF, or should you just? Um, it depends. It, honestly, it depends on your mood. Depends on how you can play it. If you are, <laughs> if you're caught in a moment where you know that it's going to be pain to do it, yes, you should do it. And when you say pain, you mean? I was like, oh fuck. It's me having to explain to people like, oh, you do a podcast. What do you do? Like, because it's when they take to me, it's when they take out their phones. It's like, oh my god, you do a podcast? No, 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 don't do that. I'm going to subscribe. No, 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 no. It's like I'm like, don't, don't. (laughs) It's a podcast about old pro wrestling. What was that? I'm sorry. What did you do? It's a podcast about old pro wrestling. Oh. Never mind. So people, people listen to that. Like people, but yeah, how, people, how, how long? Is uh, it? Uh, well, it uh, you know we 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 go long. You know, considering we go four, sometimes six, eight, ten hours. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Who could listen, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. <laughs> So I mean, honestly, to me, that's that's when it's almost almost always worth it because you're, you know, why? Because you're challenging your fears yeah. in that man in that, right. in that situation. Um, but also, I guess you should always do it because also when when you have the opportunity to kind of like be snarky about it and and confuse them, that's also fun. So fun, you know. So yeah, always do it. Always explain it to them. Go as far, go far, further beyond than you need. Here, as we tr- as we successfully did at Starcast, get yourself uninvited. Correct. Right. Right. Use it as a way to prevent people from talking to you again while still being friendly. You know. Yep. And now Patrick writes a question uh, that I've been uh, Scott. Pardon me, not Patrick. Pardon. Pondering, rather, for years <clears throat> to Jack, what are your modern wrestling viewing habits like? It's obvious from the live calls you're at least aware of week-to-week happenings in the business, but how bad is the sickness exactly? We all know that it used to be better and that sitting through the standard raw is equal to having your fingernails pulled out one by one, but do you need it anyway? Personally, since around 2014, I've become resigned to scanning Twitter and Reddit the day after an event and then going back to check out a match or segment. I feel like I actually missed something decent, but AW pay-per-views are the only thing I can really manage to watch live anymore. And if it weren't for your monthly live calls, like as we said before, we don't just say this shit, folks. We say this shit because people tell us it's true. And if it weren't for your monthly live calls, I wouldn't even bother tuning into 95% of WWE programming. It's an injustice that McMahon isn't cutting you guys a residual check for the viewer traffic because I know I'm not alone on that. Anyways, thanks for the endless hours of entertainment as always, and thank you for seeing the mania. My viewing habits, um, they're bad. I mean, I still watch everything. Uh, I yep. can't watch every minute of everything, of course. But I do like, you know, I, I, I binge. I tend to binge like ahead of a pay-per-view or something. I'll, I'll like knowing that kind of the high points of what they were trying to get across have already been well-established. I'll tend to just like 
zoom to those parts, but I'll I'll keep an eye. It's it's actually quite sad. I've got like this incredible tr- trigger finger now for when something important's happening on the screen, even if I'm fast forwarding, and I feel like I never really? miss a key moment. Yeah, because it's just wow. like you get so used to how they segment these things to you know hit a hit a high spot at the commercial break and they come back and you can just tell by watching a match in two times speed what they're doing half the time. I do that as little as I can. I watch things, you know, as they're presented as much as I can. But it becomes really foolish at a certain point to pretend that you're watching everything and judging everything equally. You know, the, the pressure in wrestling uh, to watch everything um, second by second is not because it's warranted or because it's even how it's intended to be consumed. It's because people get all mixed up in this idea of themselves as connoisseurs and tastemakers in wrestling. And so, like, they have to watch everything in an equal measure so as to point out what was best, what was better, what was good, you know? Because if you watch one thing and fast forward and you watch one thing not and fast forward, how can you say which of the two is better, right? If you didn't give both an equal chance to impress upon you over 20 minutes, for instance, what was... And I don't even... I just don't worry about it. I just don't give a fuck about my own personal ability to determine what's good and what isn't. I'm, I'm more in it just to see what they're what they're going for and if they're succeeding in, in terms of angles and matches. And yeah, I have my opinions like anybody else as to what matches of the year are and who belongs in the Hall of Fame and all that stuff. But it's not exclusively why I watch wrestling to further my reputation as a tastemaker. I don't give a fuck. You know what I mean? I don't. I care about yeah. the lapsed fan. That's what I care about. Yeah. And anything that can add fuel and context to what it is we're doing here. And that's what's unique, you know, while while most podcasts in the space are just all in their feelings and in their head and in their 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 Twitter echo chambers about the controversy du jour, we're grinding on shit from twenty years ago. <laughs> right, that's exactly we're it. We're pulling court files from Bash of the Beach two thousand. We're we're obsessing over who was that guy in the background on a nineteen ninety eight WWF pay per view, and that's that's what you that's, want from us, and that's what we want from ourselves, and so it works. That's more fun. That's more interesting. Oh, hundred percent. Because you don't know the significance of something until six months after it happened. You, you right. don't know the significance of something until you realize what happens as a result of it. And I so, mean, and not to badmouth, but like pretty much all these. I mean, like like any like any kind of news story. If you're covering the current events of, of professional wrestling, you're just regurgitating shit. Most people aren't even yeah. able to do the actual legwork to get the research done. Well, yeah, you just you're putting it through a filter of like who in wrestling do I not like and who do I like and how does what just happened prove that I'm right in liking this person and disliking this person? And that's not unique to wrestling. That's really the life. That's really like the oxygen of Twitter is like, it's a bunch of people who are just waiting for an opportunity to say, I told you so on anything, be it, you know, I told you this guy was a creep. I told you this guy was a racist. I told you this guy was a misogynist. I told you this guy was overrated. I told you this guy was underrated. I told you this guy was going to hit it big. I told you this guy was going to be a flash in the pan. I told you this guy uh, was going to have skeletons in his closet. And people just... And here I can tell you, I hate everybody. I hate everything about the current product. (laughs) It used to be better and I stand by that and that's a fact. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. So beat that. You fucking morons. So that's right. And so that's the, the regurgitation is true, but it's really it's more about like people people saying I told you so about the regurgitated fact than it is about just right. repeating the fact. Right. You know? It's just, it's just so yeah. And it's it's a sign so, it's a sign of, you know, a deep and troublesome boredom. You know, you have yes. to have you can't you can't really appreciate what's happening in wrestling 
unless you actually like experience things other than wrestling in your fucking life. You know, otherwise, right. like you just you become insufferable. Like, no, trust me, nobody wants to deal with you. Even if you think you found a community of like-minded people who are equally obsessed with every little nuance, you you are insufferable. No, and, everyone hates you. And people behind their back, behind your back, hope that you just leave them alone because right. they <clears throat> don't think about or do anything else. And so right. you can't bring a fresh perspective to what we all love in wrestling because all you do is watch wrestling. And, and, right. and the nature of the product and the nature of the fans make it such that that's really the only acceptable way to consume wrestling now is to, is to fan out across everywhere. And I know this because I feel this pressure myself and, and, and mostly succumb to it, you know, try to see as much as I can. But I, I kind of contain it to, like, what makes U.S. television? That's kind of my, my line. You know, I don't really mm-hmm. go out there and seek out matches that are ex- uh, exclusively available on streaming sites or behind paywalls that much. Um, I don't, I, I kind of wait for the promotions to come to me on this fucking cable that I pay so much money for compared to what know, right? it used to cost 20, 15, 10 years ago. Uh, that's kind of my threshold. So, like, I'll, 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 I'll watch New Japan. I've had New Japan World, but I'll watch really what New Japan puts on U.S. television through Access. And when they took a hiatus from there, I kind of, you know, dialed down my New Japan consumption unless something... Like, How could you do that? Well, How could you not do that? Come on! Because I don't give a fuck about what you think about me. That's that's why. Because uh, the last thing I'm worried about, as a, as, as, as a great rapper once said, last thing I'm worried about is what another rapper do. Last yeah. thing I'm worried about. Uh, so Andy... The last thing you did, you're worried about? <laughs> in North Carolina writes, Great American Bash 91 feedback. Hello there, exalted co-chairs. I'm still uncramming the pepperoni out of my ass after the obliterating you two gave us with the Great American Bash 91. Laps Jim Hurd was an unexpected treasure. On that note, I realize I'm quite late. <laughs> But I had to share some thoughts on the Bash 91 and its lasting legacy. The Clash of the Champions that preceded at Clash 15 was my first experience watching a hyped show as a full-fledged fan. Watched it on TBS live, taped it, repeat. The, natu- the show naturally did a lot of plugging for the upcoming Bash, so I was looking forward to the pay-per-view. But then we started padding through a river of shit, the oars getting smaller and smaller. First, Scott Steiner tears his bicep at the same Clash, no less and robs WCW of their most popular and exciting tag team. Then Slick Rick hits the bricks. I remember watching the Jim Hurd announcement as it aired on WCW Worldwide and Jim Ross and Polly's reaction. Seven-year-old me was like, this isn't how wrestling is supposed to go. That's right. Now I'm attaching a screenshot of the original Bash 91 poster. Note how the card included a Missy Hyatt and the Steiners versus Polly with Barry Windham and Arn Anderson tag cage match. That's funny because in my what-if headcanon, I always pretended the Steiner brothers versus Barry and Arn was on the card, and it was interesting to see seeing how close it was to pretty much happening in reality. Just picture the bash with Arn and Barry against the Steiner brothers. Sting going over Nikita in the Russian chain match, and Flair staying with the company just long enough to drop the strap to babyface Luger in a cage. It would have been a much different show, I'll say. Sounds like a pretty good show, actually. Yeah, right. That said, as bad as a reputation as this show has, much of it deserved. I've never believed it was close to the worst pay-per-view of all time. Strictly from a WCW WWE standpoint, I'd wager that the following were all more horrendous. WCW Battle Bowl, 1993. King of the Ring, 1995. Um, yeah, King of the Ring, 95 is worse. In your house, great. What, I don't North? know. I don't know, I don't know, no. Well, I guess, maybe. Maybe. December to December, 2006. Never saw it. Any WCW show from 2000? Um, no. I didn't, I didn't, I don't think I remember hating Starcade in 2000. No, I didn't either. I didn't, I didn't hate, uh, 
Uh, I guess I hated New Blood Rising. I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, in New Blood Rising is awful. Enjoyed and and I don't think did we we didn't really hate Bash at the Beach. Yeah, there's there's some good stuff there. I think Bash at the Beach yeah. overall is a pretty good show. Yeah, it's just it's just the shit show. Yeah, yeah, it's just no, you know, but it's not a show of shit. <laughs> Although Russo does say it four or five times. Yes. WWE Battleground 2017 and Crown Jewel 2018 rounds out his list. Uh, and those are just off the top of my head. As always, I crave your thoughts. Anyway, thank you, Coach Harris, for continuing to pound the brown, and thank you for Herdomania, Andy in North Carolina. Yeah, I think um, I think Great White North is pretty awful. These are shows yeah. that have, like, you know, because Vince drops his headset at the end of that card and says, right. you know, what the hell was that or whatever he says. Um, so that's, you know. Those shows live on because they're so bad, because there's the, this lore around it. Um, December to Dismember was such a clusterfuck, especially when we realized in retrospect that it was kind of like the last breath of this, uh, you know, Paul Heyman having any investment in this revitalized ECW brand. And once yeah. that whole thing was at such a debacle and so forced and such a low buy rate. Um, but, you know, front to back, I'm not sure. It was, a, it was a debacle, but actually watching it beginning to end, I don't remember thinking it was a particularly bad wrestling show to take in. Right. It was just such a... Right such a disaster from a business perspective and from the perspective of their battle plan around this ECW relaunch that it's just, um, there's, there's no silver lining there. And, and the years have to pass for you to appreciate that. King of the Ring 95 is, is the reason it's the second show we've ever did on The Lapsed Fan. It's just a, it's, it's the exhibit it's, it's A in a bad pay-per-view, yeah. It's like yeah. WWF, it's, it's, they've it's, lost all their mojo. Bad. They're trying to recapture it by doing things that are vestiges of the past way they used to organize their baby faces and heels and pushing Mabel it's just like oh. they're making all the decisions no one wanted and uh, avoiding all the decisions people might actually be interested in or just not not picking up on who to push and who to push into the background. Uh, Battleground 2017, mm, I don't remember too well. Crown Jewel 2018, it was bad because of the publicity, but wasn't yeah. a bad show to watch necessarily. I don't think it was. Um, yeah, Battle Bowl 93, what do you think? I mean, I didn't hate it. I don't remember hating it. I don't think it's great, but I don't think I hated it. I don't really remember. WCW Battle Bowl has, well, 1993 WCW has such a bad reputation writ large. It's such a, it's like uproariously bad. Right. You know? Right. You got Charlie Norris in there. Like, what the fuck's going on here? Oh, yeah, he's fucking miserable. It's, it's an awful show. That's a, that's, a, that's a contender. But if Flair and Austin are in a tag team, I'm kind of there, you know? There's something to, something to, to at least see. And Vader wins, too, right? Doesn't Vader win? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So well, I don't I'm, know. Okay, I'm okay with that. Uh, Turgo, who we shouted out, giving us uh, some Patreon love, writes, Dear Coach Ayers, I became a lapsed fan of the lapsed fan. Ooh, that's a, that's a problem. But knew the time would come that I'd come Oof. crawling back. Started from episode one and working my way back to current times, hashtag shelf life has made one thing clear. Even when it's a cast from five years ago, it can still guilt me into paying up. Please take my money. That's all, Turgo. Oh, we will. Yeah. Thank you very much. Right in the fucking pocket it goes. Done. Bob Zombie, thank Done. you for your continued support and generous Patreon pledge. Dorian Brown, welcome to the executive producer tier, skyrocketing all the way up under uh, the cinemat. Um, I want to shout out to Splash Bandicoot for his pledge on Patreon. Welcome in. Mitch Gee, big time pledge, big swing and dick pledge. We appreciate it. Tom, thanks for upping uh, that pecuniary uh, contribution. Chris writes, not really sure where else to post this, but I just watched the film Pay It Forward, and there's a scene where... Uh-huh. Haley Joel Osment is watching WCW, so pay it forward coming soon to oh, the cinema. All right. That, that definitely counts. If someone's watching wrestling in the movie, it counts. If someone's watching wrestling in the movie, it counts. I mean, yeah. There, because to me, there was, 
you don't put that on by mistake. Right. Someone made a decision and said, you know what? He's going to be watching professional wrestling. Those things aren't done randomly. I mean, because you could always take it out otherwise. So, what was the movie they're watching? Problem Child. Uh, it was. That <laughs> was Cape Fear, where they went to Problem Child in the move the the theaters, and so because and they arrived after the scene. The scene, yeah. De Niro comes in after the scene that included Carrie Von Erich, so they technically they had been in the theater and they had seen the Carrie Von Erich. So. I, I I counted that as it had passed. If it hadn't passed by in the movie yet, to me it wouldn't it wouldn't count as much. So yes, you heard it right. To qualify, not only does it qualify to have wrestling on in the background, it qualifies if in the fictional world <laughs> wrestling was just on in the background. I mean, fortunately, Cape Fear had other reasons to qualify. Whale and Mercy, Bray Wyatt, etc. Whale and Mercy, Bray Wyatt. So yeah, but uh, I, I uh, again, I'll do what I want. God damn right you will. <laughs> Zach Medris, thank you very much for your big time pledge right out of the gate. Joe going all the way to the tip top of the solar system with that EP pledge. Colin O'Driscoll, thanks very much for increasing uh, what is coming our way. Um, here's an interesting one. Uh, Lyrics Anonymous writes to us, Hasbro Triumph and Heartbreak, boss. Mm. Coming your way. Please share with the solar system if you'd be right. so kind. In 39, a year younger, I'm 39, a year younger than JP, but a year older than Jack and got into wrestling week to week just before WrestleMania 6. Undertaker had been my favorite wrestler since the moment he debuted, and in third grade, I would wear a black jacket belonging to my father and look like a trench coat on me, as well as the hat from my Freddy Krueger Halloween costume, a black short-sleeved button-up and black jeans. I was Taker. When I was in fourth grade, I got invited to a birthday party. I went to a toy store, and finally there he was, The Undertaker Hasbro. I've been collecting them since they came out and had never seen a Taker figure. I only had $15, and I was with my friend and his mom, so no parent to buy it for me. What did I, What do you mean? 50, if you had $15, you could buy three Hasbros, bro. Did that? Um, what do I do? Do I hope to see it another time and get a... Good gift for the party, or oh, I see. Or do I buy a cheap gift and buy myself the Undertaker figure? Nice. I chose. I would say, fuck the gift altogether and buy yourself three Hasbro's. But that's nice. just me. Um, I chose the latter, and I'm glad I did because I never saw another Undertaker Hasbro again. My parents made me do chores for a week until I could play with him, but it was worth. So you paid with it with your own fucking money, <laughs> and your parents still wouldn't let you play with it. That seems harsh. Yeah, I agree. If you if, listen, if a parent bought it for you, then you got to earn it sometimes. I understand that. But if you bought it with your own fucking money, that's bullshit. Cruel and unusual. I think you should sue your parents. Correct. That's just me. Uh, when I got into wrestling as an avid fan, Under the Giant was about to sing his swan song at the main six. So all the videos I had ever rented made Hogan Andre the biggest thing in the history of wrestling to me. Yep. So obviously, when Giant Gonzalez debuted, I was pumped. I was too. I can't deny that. When he came down and beat the shit out of the Undertaker, it was scary. Yeah, yeah. That he he certainly uh, cut an imposing figure for a young impressionable wrestling fan. It's a big fucking. Yeah, sad, sadly he didn't light. compose. S- sadly he didn't do the same with his wrestling figure. No. <laughs> but um, I had always dreamed of Taker versus Andre, and now I get to see Taker try to overcome a, a giant. 
I walked into a toy store for the first time and for the first time saw the HBK Hasbro, the one in black and silver. I always liked him and definitely needed him. But there, there was my giant. That's right. The brand new giant Gonzalez Hasbro. Wow. I could finally have Andre. I think he's Undertaker. Um, versus Gonzalez, and I did not hesitate. Shortly after, though, I got a second Gonzalez figure for Christmas, and Sean became my new favorite wrestler post the Mains 10, but I never saw another HBK figure again, though I had two Gonzalez figures, and that's where I lost. Side note, I also used the Terminator whose chest lowered down to shoot an arrow or whatever as my diesel. Yes. Honky Tonk was my HBK. That's hilarious. The Scott Steiner Galoob was my razor till I got the real one. And the third, Teddy Biasi, was perfect for Steve Austin as his arm was positioned to deliver a center. Sure, the um the uh you know the shirtless the shirtless uh Debs. Um I loved Hasbro's, but the original Jacks are probably my favorite wrestling figures. I even had most of the LJNs. There it is, the the, the, the agony. The agony of being a Hasbro collector mm-hmm. in the dying mm-hmm. days of the run, you know, when those lines were just disappearing off shelves and there was not going to be another one. And we as young wrestling fans were not hip to that. We thought there would always be another yep. line of Coliseum. Yep. No. Nope. Uh, pardon me, of uh, Hasbro. Hasbro's. Yep. No. Nope. No. Nope. James Birch, thank you very much for your generous increase in pledge. We appreciate the vote of confidence that that indicates. David Carr, thank you for your VIP pledge. We hope you enjoy said content. Deja Jackson. Thanks very much for that fucking cake. Max, you know who you are. Thank you very much for joining that tier. Jonathan Kirshner, thank you very much for your generous contribution. And Dalton Hastings, welcome into the TLF inner circle. I.L. Sabog, thank you very much for that fucking cake. Same to you, Heath Harshman, longtime supporter of the podcast, back on the board from a Patreon perspective. Maya Good, longtime supporter. Love, love, love that support. Thank you very much, Maya. Appreciate that fucking cake and all you do for the show. Uh, Austin, um... Longtime supporter writes to us from the TLF archives, the early episodes. Yes. Co-chairs, first off, I cannot believe how hot you guys have started 2022. Between Eddie Edelman and the friends of Eddie Coyle, providing everything you could ever need and want to know about Boston, James Cagney fucking people up on screen in the 1930s, Gene LaBelle being the golden goose of Under the Cinemat, the boss singing Ricky Dozan and the remix Royal Rumble to the same tune uh, on the live call. The debut of He is Robo, He is Cop, He is Robocop. And the sound of Laps Jim Heard cocking his fucking clock. You guys have provided a year's worth of classic TLF in just two months. Also, I randomly received a text from my brother last Monday night, which simply said, Finn push, brother, which was his way of informing me that Finn Balor had just won the United States title. I remember those days. Yeah, it's been a while since we've gone through this mailbag, folks. So yes, JP, you have definitely made that a thing due to the cameo message I ordered back in January. Finn did win the belt with a shotgun dropkick and coup de gras, so maybe Laps Hulk does have cause to worry. As promised, here is the first edition of my messages from the TLF archives. I have grouped together many notes from the episodes before the WrestleMania journey in this email. Once I complete the WrestleMania journey, my plan is to periodically send one or two Hall of Fame shame moments or burning questions as they occur in my TLF archives journey. I highly recommend this, that folks do this. If you're new to the podcast, go through, take copious notes, remember, because you're going to want to remember where the first time a bit bit started. And we're going to want to remember, too, always share this kind of homework with us. We've got many members of the solar system working on similar projects at the same time, essentially like a decentralized, lapsed wiki, if you will. And it's always great to um, notice what... I'm I'm always curious, too, because where you think things happen, they don't necessarily happen. Right. 
and we'll, but we'll sometimes give an unintentional whiff of something that develops later, but we mention it and then don't mention it for three months, and then it comes back around. Yeah, like the Von Erichs. It is serendipitous. It is serendipitous, Austin writes, that I am approaching the end of the WrestleMania journey now as I am about to attend my first ever mains in person. I have two TLF shirts ordered, so hopefully my Brock Lobster and It's the Mains, everyone kicks out shirts, arrive in time for me to wear them at Jerry World. I will start with many firsts that need to be called out in these early episodes. The Warlord is established as the first coming of Stone Cold in episode one. Did you know that? <laughs> episode one. <laughs> well, he is he is in the opening match, so to me that would that would happen. And, you know, that's been... That's been a lifelong joke for us. Yeah, we've been saying that forever. No Mercy and Hasbro's are first mentioned in episode two. And JP's wow. love affair with Thanksgiving food is mentioned in episode three. I ask you, <laughs> what other podcast? Episode three would have been, that would have been Survivor Series probably. Yes, that makes I, sense. but I think what he's talking about is the journey, the WrestleMania journey. Yeah, I think he's talking about just the journey, not episode one of the whole show. But no, it wouldn't be because yeah, we wouldn't no. mention Warlord in episode uh, WrestleMania. No, one. not at all. Yeah, I'm sorry this isn't, this isn't clear. As promised, here is the first edition of my message from the TLF archives. I've grouped together many notes from the episodes before. Thank you. There it is. Before the WrestleMania journey. So that's what he's focused on here. Episodes right. before that journey. Got it. Okay. Now I understand. Um, all right. Thanksgiving food. I ask you, what other podcast has established and then stayed this true to their roots for eight fucking years? No one. That's who. Oh. Other yeah. TLF firsts in this era of shows are Episode 5, International Incident, at 304.34, first reference of Ahmed Johnson's Dus Doi sound, <laughs> which we just came back around on last week, King of the Ring 96. <laughs> episode 7, this Tuesday in Texas at 16.30, first edition of a mailbag segment. Hey now, letters wow. are already flowing in seven episodes in, and now we're doing this for hours on end. Thanks a lot. I know, right? Episode 9, Barely Legal, first episode over four hours. Episode 11, 1996, Great American Bash, first appearance of the Death Toll backing music. Also at oh, one, wow. Also at 156, the first official mention of Warlord as the patron saint of TLF or the Lapsed Lord. <laughs> lapsed Lord. Now, <laughs> now for the highlights of the TLF early episodes, here are some of the Hall of Fame and Shame nominations. Episode 7, this Tuesday in Texas at 5630, Jack tells the story of playing with his Skinner Hasbro but can't remember his theme music, so he simply... <laughs> Makes the sound of the entire crowd booing Skinner instead. <laughs> episode 8, 1992, Halloween Havoc. This, in my opinion, Austin writes, is the first all-time classic TLF episode. At 148.07, we get the first mention of how the co-chairs love referencing the Vader as a fat piece of shit storyline. <laughs> which leads to the great lines of fat piece of shit realty, FPS realty, and the man they call oh realtor. <laughs> We were already on our bullshit it's, in episode eight. It's realtor time. At 154.45, we get the first ever lapsed Vince, I got an idea, bit. As he tells wow. Jesse Ventura to go to work at WCW just so he can shit all over their product. At 3.32, uh, we get the first ever true TLF skit, where JP attempts to answer Jack's question about the coal miner's glove match being unsanctioned through his lapsed interpretation of an archives worker at the Pennsylvania State Athletic Commission. <laughs> Episode Jesus 10. Christ. Episode 10. Oh, man. 91 Rumble. At 46.30, we learn that because of Sergeant Slaughter, young Jack believed pointed boots to be an international sign for evil. That's right. I do have one question. Austin writes, it was strange to me that in these early episodes, F-bombs are bleeped. I noticed this ends early into the WrestleMania journey, but can you shine some light as to why the cast used to be censored? Uh, that used to be because um, when we started, we thought that it would 
deeply reduce our visibility on iTunes if we had swears on it because you had to like. Well, it wasn't it wasn't the swears. It was having the e rating. Yeah, and right. and if you and so we had them bleep for a while, and there was something like. After a while, we found out that they don't like check anymore or something like that, and so something like that where there wasn't really... we got you know we stopped so we so we were able to stop it and um oh oh well there was that and also also for a while you had a thing where you were like if I ever swore yeah I'd have to like listen to Todd Pettengill for. <laughs> Five minutes because it was such a pain in the balls me. to have to record every time we swore and go back and bleep it. Right. So I was like, "We'll just see if we can do." <laughs> yeah, that's right. I remember that. It never happened. Yeah. Yeah. Was... We did it for a while just to kind of keep it keep it clean and to when get we started, by. And we then... run wrestlezone.com and it was kind of like we right. didn't know their tolerance level for what would become what the cast would become. Once we broke free from right. them, it was like fuck this. Like we'll say yeah. whatever the fuck yeah. we want because clearly right. there's a fan base willing to support us directly. We don't need someone else's platform. Yeah. So uh, that's pretty much the answer to that one. Uh, thanks for the best four podcasts in the world, which are TLF, Under the Cinemat, WWE Live Calls, and the TLF Archives. I'm off to find how you undoubtedly will turn the condemned two into a story I didn't know I needed. Thanks for your, your commitment to the solar system, Austin. That's great work. That's what we're yeah, looking for. that's awesome stuff. Love that. Christopher DeMars, thanks for bumping up your pledge and joining the executive producer tier. Same to you, Jeff Russ. We see you putting more money on the table. We appreciate it. Matthew Gundaker, let's fucking get it done. Joe Strahl, thank you very much for your generous pledge. We deeply appreciate it here at TLF headquarters. Chuck Angeline, you've done the right thing. Welcome, my friend, to the VIP tier. Evan Granado has bumped up just a bit, just to show his appreciation, presumably. We appreciate the extra cake. Um, Haystacks Kowaloon. <laughs> my favorite. Right. My favorite fucking name. I think. Very aggressive. Kowloon. Uh, very welcome and aggressive poster on Patreon. That's another thing you get out of pledging on our Patreon. You can engage in the comments section under our files with members of the solar system. And these fucking people are hilarious, well-informed. They always answer questions that we pose on the podcast that we might not get the answer to. If the answer is discoverable in short order, it's right there in the comments underneath the episode. It's just, it's just yep. a wonderful ecosystem we have going. Uh, Haystacks writes, I'm not exaggerating when I say that TLF is the only thing in my life that has never disappointed me. Look at that. Can you imagine, boss? Yes, I can. I kind of can. I believe it. That's why we go so hard. That's why we never take our foot off the gas, because we know there are people out there who we fill that void for them of like the most reliable thing in their lives. Literally. Yes. Yes. Rich Moulton, thanks very much for that pledge. We appreciate it, my friend. Adam uh, writes a couple of things. Uh, More people will listen to this podcast in the first 24 hours than the number of people who bought this shit pay-per-view. He's referring uh, to the WBF championship show we did from 1992. Um which is only 3,000 people. P.S. The mm. only thing more embarrassing and depressing than watching a bunch of roided up soon-to-be-in-the-grave wrestlers from the 1980s and 1990s is watching roided up totally mentally sound people obsessed with counting every calorie and viewing food as fuel dance around while being extremely dehydrated in tans that would make Johnny B. Bad proud. Also writes, I don't know. What's the problem? There are two types of people in the world, he says. Normal sane people who realize life is too short and eat whatever the fuck they want for sheer enjoyment. And then there's bodybuilders whose worldview and lifestyle is so bleak, meaningless, and grim, it would make Sylvia Plath look like Charles Schultz. Oh, that's hardcore. Wow. Adam always brings the fucking heat on Patreon. Um, yeah. yeah, that was um, that was quite uh, a thing to experience and to uh, deal with <laughs> WBF. And then oh, nature, God, yeah. The nature Jesus. of the bodybuilding mentality. There are people who uh, live to eat and eat to live. All right. right. That's about it. Let's uh, convey here from uh, Robin Boss, just mm-hmm. sent to you. Fan of flipping, falling, faking, all things faux fighting. There we go. 
Hey, I've been a Patreon. Uh, I've been a, pat- a patron for a while, but uh, not one to normally message. I don't watch a film and then message the actors to engage. So why message you guys? That said, they aren't in my ears for hours a day. In my thoughts, when I watch wrestling and in my arse, every time I bend over to get the soap. So I guess this is different. I think it's the pandemic making me appreciate the things I can still enjoy even more that makes me want to engage you guys in the solar system. I decided I was going to message when I nearly caught up, uh, uh, but I started at the beginning and on my current cadence won't be there until the end of the year. So fuck it. Yes. Yes. You're funny, informative and addictive. You know this. I've got three things I want to share. My partner's niece is called. Ada. <laughs> it's going to be a problem. Whenever she's spoken of, or we see her in my head shouting Ada, and seeing a giant sweaty man, bear beast in a gimp yes. mask, also known as Veda. It was honestly, it has honestly been all I can do to not just, just <laughs> yell Ada at her. Ada, Ada, Ada. I haven't, I haven't, thankfully, but my partner does hear me walking around the house with my headphones on, occasionally shouting out, Ada, listening to you. I think it's therapy. It's the only way to vent off that tap and, and not to do it to her. Right. <laughs> my partner knows the madness, and she signed up to commuting to me. Two, my dad never let us watch sport on TV. He found it all boring and hated how much they got paid and would get annoyed. That said, we used to get to watch a bit of WWE when I was little. I'm another UK guy that never afforded Sky, so can't remember it. Uh, if 30 years ago it was on free TV or he used to get tapes, but we used to get it and it was awesome. When I still watched it as a teenager, he said he used to think it was real until he kept seeing the wrestlers suddenly get blood all over their face from nothing that would have done it. <laughs> It's funny. The blood tells him it's fake, not the lack of blood. I know. That's hilarious. Yeah. He said he knew it was blood packs, capsules hidden somewhere. (laughs) And so what, did did Steve Austin have a tube, like, uh, under, like, what, is he wearing a bald cap and have a tube of blood underneath Yes, that's exactly what they said. All right, that makes sense. Um... Therefore, he knew it was bullshit. I was pretty smart enough by then and got excited to tell him that the blood was real. (laughs) They would take out a razor blade and cut. (laughs) Then I realized what I was going to say. These guys took a razor and sliced their fucking head. So? I know this, and I still watch this shit. I couldn't say it and just agreed with him that it was just fake bullshit. Easier than explaining the shame. Shame. And pain. Lastly, as a teen, the only WWE access was through Sky, and we couldn't afford that. Right. My mate would record it for me uh, that that did have it, and as an extra, when Raw was done, he would flick over to porn previews on these premium yes, channels yes. I could never afford and let that VHS run. This was Attitude Era time when you'd wait two minutes to download a pic of boobs, so my God, my God, this was exciting. Watch Austin hit Tyson. Michaels do basically soft porn for yep. the girls. Then either it ends and I have blue balls or the channel suddenly flicks on the VHS and it's naughty previews. Wow. Sums up my teen years. I want men in pants slapping each other because wrestling is cool and girls in pants showing me anything because I'm a 13-year-old testosterone-fueled idiot. I love it. Great stuff. He wrote a follow-up missive. Uh, I have now reached a stage where if my partner says our niece's name, Ada, I have to do the guttural Ada back at her. I have to. That's funny. 
Um, and he recently wrote to us on our question about magazines and why they list the month ahead on every issue. Remember that? Wait, what was that saying? Why the magazines list the month ahead as the date of every oh, issue. Oh, yeah. Why? Yeah. Uh, no fun stories this time. He writes, just heard you querying why magazines have future dates on them. It's not for the end customer. It's for the retailer. The retailers can send back unsold copies in the month on the cover. So rather than the release date, it's the return date. So they are meant Ooh. to stay on the shelf until then and then come off and get sent back to be pulped, turned back into raw paper. Mm-hmm. I'm only a couple of hours into the show, but it's had me laughing hard as you were doing so many characters in this one. Love it. Um, so yeah, that's that's the reason. So it's... If you're selling the magazines, you, you look to that to know when you can uh, return them as opposed to have to eat it yourself. That's weird. That's very interesting. Not how I looked at I it know, as a magazine reader. Not at all. Me neither. Uh, William Heil writes to us on a Patreon. I picture Vince even to this day, sitting alone in a darkened room at the basement of Titan Tower, watching an old VHS copy of this program. This is WBF Body Stars 1992. And rubbing one out. They're so vascular. Ah. Oh. Yeah, and, and traps and, and 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 glutes and things. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Wow. That's him, man. Yeah. One of these days we'll get the inaugural WBF. Maybe in the Coliseum collection, right? Yeah, it is a Coliseum video. Russell Allen, thank you for the pledge. Welcome in to the solar system, my friend. Paul writes to us, the lapsed fan in 2015. I can't believe we did a seven-hour podcast on the main 17. During a WrestleMania countdown series, this is us talking. The Laps fan in 2022, let's drop an 11-hour podcast on the fucking WBF like it's no big deal. This is why. (laughs) I love you guys. Yes, Paul. Yes, it is. Sam Stevens, again, a good friend, writes uh, a great point. Real estate Steve, or should that be... (laughs) Let's talk about Steve Borden. (laughs) (laughs) Real estate is cracking me up. Real estate Steve, or should that be real estate Steve? (laughs) that's funny so co-chairs after Sting's very insightful piece on the Players Tribune website do we now have to accept that Crow Sting wouldn't have worked without heavy drug or alcohol abuse the look in his eye of loss heartache and suffering not possible without said suffering so no drugs no Sting reality sucks yes Sam in South London yes that's right I agree yes anything in wrestling that's ever approached good method acting from a wrestler has been because behind the scenes they are suffering in a deep, profound, and real way due to their due to their um, flaws as a human being, which play no small part in why they end up getting involved in a business like pro wrestling anyway, where you feel like you can run from and wallpaper over your flaws. Jamie yeah. Keen, thank you very much for the increased pledge. Appreciate it. Brobot, thank you for the cake, my friend. Enjoy your premium content. Same to you, Phil N. Thank you for the pledge, my friend. James simply writes, thanks a lot, assholes. I'm a 45-year-old grown man who walks around his house and his work saying, because they'd know I'd win. <laughs> Thank you for Number that. one, you have to get out of your mind that you're, uh, that you're a grown man. <laughs> yeah. That needs to go away. Yeah, that's like now. We will disabuse you of said notion. Timothy Weiss, thank you for the increased <laughs> pledge. Lapsed veteran. He is a lapsed veteran. He needs sticking yes. strong. He's making it happen on that fucking cast. Um, Jeff Town. I don't know if it's the Jeff Town. What do you think? You think he listens to the show? He's dead, isn't he? He's, uh, dead. he's dead, yeah. So I'm going to say probably not, but you never know. Maybe he listens from the beyond. Get the la- get the uh, Vince laugh ready. Jeff Town writes, so it took until the ravioli abs segment to make the <laughs> conscious decision to make the Vince laugh my new ringtone. 
<laughs> and what's so great about Bobby Heenan is that the jokes are so simple, and there's no real malice or deep social commentary underlying every joke. Heenan is the real butt of each joke. Isn't that true? It's like he's, yeah. Yeah. he knows how to make himself the blubbering idiot. I mean, that's a rare skill. That's, I mean, that, that is the beauty of it because he, he is – He's he's making himself look like a fool because he doesn't know anything about bodybuilding. But in reality, he's everybody who fucking bought this show because, you know, nobody fucking knows. Yeah. Yeah. It's really uh, it's really interesting to hear him do commentary for that. Um, but his timing and delivery is absolutely perfect every time. This is, of course, as you said, in response to our 92 WBF Body Stars coverage. Jason writes to us, when you listen to the coach here's description of the event, imagine Hogan sitting in the last row in sunglasses, WWF baseball hat, and a trench coat, all the time muttering, no push for Quinn, brother. No push for Stridham, dude. <laughs> they very well have happened. Matt what Cleveland. You doing, What's that? Who you pushing, brother? Who you pushing, brother? Like, come you on, dude, let's this? put the bullshit to the side. Well, I, dude, I just want, you know, look, brother, I want to I want to talk turkey, dude. I want to get down to the bottom of the brother. I'm looking at the scariest stride I'm doing and wondering why. Why, brother? Who and when, dude? What? You heard me, brother. You said, what's you said. The you, scuttlebutt, you said, dude, who you've been the, talking to? What's the scuttlebutt, dude, who you've been talking to? Well, Terry, I've been talking to myself. I talked to myself a lot. <laughs> I talked to Patterson. And. You know, I don't understand. So, yes. What about Gary Stridham? Why, brother? Why, dude? Why? Well, um, I, why what? Brother. No. Let's stop it, dude. Let's fucking stop this right now, brother. Let's fucking put all the cards on the table, dude. I want to get them every, all the cards on the table, brother. I want to talk about Gary Stridham, dude. Yes. I want to talk about push, brother. <laughs> I want to talk about champion, dude. <laughs> Can you stop speaking in tongues, Hulk? Terry, I listen, I, I do always appreciate you coming and talking, Terry, but I don't understand Terry all the time, so if you could right. just kind of talk normal, right. that'd be great. All right, brother, I'll stop talking Terry, we'll talk turkey. All right, dude? Gary Stridham, world champion. What are you doing to me, brother? <laughs> I love how he says he's going to talk straight. And he basically repeats what he just said in a, in a, different, in a different order. Yeah. Well, uh, Terry, I mean, you, you, Terry, Gary, Gary Stratum is the WBF champion. He's not the WWE champion. That's, 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 uh, that's Ric Flair. Or no, that's Savage right now. What do you mean Savage, dude? Well, Terry, you're, you're on hiatus. For a time being, you know, drugs and steroids and stuff. Brother, what do you? So I want to get this straight, dude. You're you're taking the belt off of me and you're putting it on Savage, brother. We, we already did, Ter- Terry. We we already did, Terry. And Gary Stridham is is a bodybuilder. Why He's are you bringing a, him uh, up now, dude? Brother, why are you bringing up Savage and brother? What are you doing, dude? Where are you putting me, brother? Who are you pushing, dude? I want to get a. I want to get a straight, brother. I want to understand right now, dude. Gary Stridham, Macho Man Randy Savage, main event SummerSlam, brother. <laughs> what are you doing, dude? Terry, that's not a bad idea. Actually, I didn't really thought about that. Maybe we could have a, a unification championship match. We have the WWE champion versus the WBE champion. 
and we get the WWBE contender. <laughs> the first ever WWBE champion. Ah, brother! That's <laughs> not going That's not what he tried. That's not what he set out to accomplish. <laughs> Bart Nickerson, thank you for the pledge, my friend. We appreciate your support on on Patreon. Um, Greg K. Thanks for increasing uh, your pledge and getting into the uh, the category you deserve to be in, where you're entitled to all exclusive audio. Ryan Hall, thank you very much. We appreciate it. Uh, Mike from New York writes, Hey, guys, just learned something that may put all Tom Hanks movies in line for that EP treatment under the cinema. Oh, boy. I heard an interview with him where he was speaking about his childhood. He went to Bret Hart Junior High. The tension must have been in the dungeon with Stu when Helen is the nasty lunch lady. Have a good one. Thanks, Mike. What do you think? Can you Bryce? imagine for detention you get stretched by Stu? <laughs> that means have some discipline. Ah! Yes. Ah! For, for, detention, ah! for detention you get stretched by Stu, and for lunch you stretch out and have some Stu. Austin back with us. Wrestling references and rap run the jewels. Blockbuster night part one at 116. Killer Mike. This is the same group that you just did Lanny for. I Jake the Snakeum, DDTM and Mausoleums. Wow. Macabre massacres, killing cunts in my Coliseum. Not only a Jake the Snake reference, but could that be a Coliseum collection reference as well? <laughs> Here we are on that collection. Tom writes, uh, hey, butt busters. This is Tom from, from Steamboat, he wrote. Okay. Uh, I hope you both are doing well. I'm really enjoying the WBF podcast, and the whole endeavor reminded me of Bodog Fights, a short-lived MMA promotion started by Calvin Ayer, a guy who made a bunch of money running an online gambling website. He made a big contracts with B-plus fighters and had them fight in his private island until the financial losses went into the tens of millions and the orc shut down. Years after the closure of Bodog, many of its competitors speak to them wishing another money mark can come along and whisk them away to paradise. I imagine Jack and TJ will have some interesting memories of this company in time period. Two questions for you, which are somewhat relevant to where we are with the Coliseum journey. One, where did Vince get the money to start buying out everyone's contracts in the early 80s? His efforts started way before WrestleMania 1, and New York was a regional territory like everywhere else. And two, the ongoing joke on the podcast is that pro wrestling is fake as fuck and that everyone from the newspaper editors to the Bostonian snow shovelers feel a sense of betrayal, which is connected back to a time when people had their faith and trust in the legitimacy of pro wrestling broken. Have you been able to point to the event when this happened? Okay, a lot there. One Bodog fight, hilarious. Um, uh, stories there. They whisked all these fighters off to uh, Costa Rica to shoot a series of television shows, totally built on the uh, ill-gotten fortune of, a, um, of you know, one of the innovators of online offshore gambling where people, you know, in jurisdictions where it wasn't legal to gamble were still placing odds online on fights, and he started his own MMA promotion to do that because MMA was kind of like a hornet's nest of that kind of illicit gambling yeah. activity. Activity, I should say. Daniel Pewter fought over there. Um, if We're looking for connections to the pro wow. wrestling world as to Chael Sonnen and others. Yeah, I do remember Bodog fight. It was quite a situation. I remember the Fedor-Matt Lindland pay-per-view. Just hilarious stories coming out of that whole endeavor. Um where did Vince get the money to buy out everyone's contract in the early 80s? He took out loans. Um, he basically had an agreement with Vince Sr. and his and his brain trust that he would have an opportunity to close on the company if he could deliver on certain financial covenants. And if he didn't, uh, the power would revert back to Vince Sr. So that's why all that WrestleMania 1 rhetoric about how if we didn't make this a financial success, he would have gone bankrupt or lost the company was because he wouldn't have been able to make the payments he was obligated to make to keep control of the company under uh, the 1982 agreement to transfer uh, power to him. Um, and yeah, he took out loans that were 
you know, that WrestleMania one in particular had to generate significant money for him to be able to make the payments on, or he would be, you know, his assets would be foreclosed on uh, potentially. And he used a lot of that money too as, as seed capital to sign huge contracts. Uh, you can't forget how much money the garden makes compared to other wrestling arenas in other parts of the country as well. Yeah. Highest ticket prices uh, that you can command and um, a captive monthly full garden will print you a lot of money even before they had all the licensing and merchandising streams coming in. But it was pretty much like financing. Like, here's my cash flows. Give me a whole chunk of money so I can go and do this thing. And that's what he did. And he started throwing that money at, at talent and television stations to uh, consolidate his power, knowing that those investments would likely pay off by uh, the magic of cable television and this uh, closed-circuit um, uh, model of selling shows all across the, uh, the country. The ongoing joke in the podcast is that pro wrestling is fake as fuck. When did, yeah, uh, what's your moment, boss, where you were wounded by the fact that it was fake? Wounded by the fact that it was fake. So you kind of had to come to terms with it. Um, I can't say I had a moment. I mean, I always know people would bark in my ear as a kid that it wasn't real, and that's when I kind of, I, you know, kept my fandom a little bit secret. But do I remember the time where I was like, okay, it is fake. I'm not fighting this anymore. No. I mean, where, like, uh, it de- I mean, I think I actually, believe it or not, <laughs> it's kind of uh, depressing in a way, but I feel like I might have known it was fake from the, or been told it was fake. Whether I believed it or not, it's a whole different story. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. From the very beginning. Um, right? From the very beginning, I feel like because I remember, I remember the first time I watched where I stumbled upon it when when I was on that trip in Nantucket. And we stumbled upon wrestling and I was, I believe that wrestling had to be real because the punches were thunderous and not sounding like movie punches because they stomped the mat. And I believe my friend said, no, but they're jumping and stomping the mat. It's not a real punch. Oh, wow. That's a good one. But I was kind of like, no, no, no. I do remember, and I've talked about this, you know, my dad renting No Holds Barred before I was really a wrestling fan, turning me on a Hulk Hogan and this guy and this charisma and being kind of shaken by that by turning around and trying to watch him in wrestling and realizing that when punches land in the wrestling ring, it doesn't sound like they do on that movie. Yeah. And. But if you had any like normal friends growing up, like they were telling you it was fake from the moment. Yeah. I mean, you know, I feel like we all kind of knew. It's something like the big brother. Like there, there was some say. part that was that was fake, you know, again. And then it, it just kind of gradually evolved where it became from being, you know, pretty real to being, okay, it's like I remember thinking that the that the that the James that the uh the, the the boss man nails thing was real. Yeah. I remember being totally convinced that that this guy was a jailbird and he fucking and he came back to seek revenge. Yeah. You know, there was stuff that I thought was real, but I, again, I didn't think all of it was real. I thought some of it was fake. Some of it was real. One thing that's kind of weird is while I always knew it was a work for the most part from the beginning, I mean, it, yeah, there was probably a part of my early, earliest fandom where I didn't know, but I, it wasn't very long before I was disabused of the notion. Um, and then I had that weird period where I thought WCW was real, but WWF was fake, which is very strange. Yeah. Yeah, um, it was yep. easier to watch WCW style matches and believe it was real anyway. But yeah, 
But then I remember during the Attitude Era when NBC came out with that awful Secrets of Pro Wrestling Explained with the guys with masks on and stuff. I remember that being, I mean, obviously I knew it was a work, but there was something so deflating about that special to me because it was one of the first times I saw guys walk through step by step. And I know there's a lot in that special that it doesn't even come close to what wrestlers actually do. But, you know, just there was just something so, like, depressing about it. <laughs> you know, they put it in this closed set looking like one of those AWA Team Challenge tapings. And it just, just to watch two yeah. people just go through cynically, like, the steps you follow to create the illusion of pro wrestling, that shook me. That shook me because it was like, this is really what I'm watching. I'm really watching two people go in there and just exercise this routine every single week and right. acting like it's more exciting one week than it was the week before. I still remember that. Um, and so that's kind of close to the the moment he's looking for, but it's not the same as the moment I found out that, you know, it was a work. As long as I could, it's like, like I was saying, it's like something the older f- brother of your friend would, t- would would tell you, you know, you watch that shit, like, you know, and they just make you deal with the fact it was fake before you were even ready to, to know right. what that meant. Uh, Jeff Brokaw, thank you for the pledge. Welcome in, my friend. We love it. <laughs> Ethan, want, this is for you. My brother won an Emmy for producing a new segment. Oh, God, I fucking hate that. But he's a freeloading bitch, so he deserves every bit of scorn from the co-chairs, Ethan, right? That's right. I'm the only $20 yeah. swinging dick in this family. <laughs> that's how you, so it's actually kind of follow up. Um, so in a, in a show, um, that, uh, uh, a friend of mine was in, uh, uh a play, um, I went to go see it and <laughs> one of the actors one of the actors had written in their bio that they were an Emmy winner for best actor in uh, some kind of series, which, you know, basically my, when, when I read something like that, no matter, no matter the, the, the level of production it is, and this was a, this was, this was off Broadway. <clears throat> my my brain goes <laughs> so i immediately dove into my phone and looked up so i'm like okay so i'm i'm looking up this guy and nowhere does he actually have a legitimate emmy but i'm also like these regional emmys they don't have best actor awards they have they're mostly for new stuff you know it's a way to to Anyway, uh, 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 long story short, I eventually found out what ha- where it was. He won a regional Emmy in New York in the 1970s when he was a kid for some local TV show that had happened. And he didn't win Best Actor back then. I don't know if they do it now still, but they had... They basically had um, so they had awards. It was, it was mostly journalism, but they had some broader ones, which were craft awards. So you could submit something like, oh, you know, for editing. You know, like they just kept it broad. Like it was like you could win an Emmy for your craft. And so he submitted himself, or someone submitted him for acting, and it was not. It technically followed the rules, even though I don't think many other people submitted for performing. It was all more skill-based. 
things. And so he won that. But he put listed it in his. So what you're saying is he's an Emmy Award winner. <laughs> Fuck that. No, he's not. An Emmy. An Emmy Award winner is someone who wins on a fucking show that is featured on TV. And I'll include the daytime Emmy Awards. OK, in that matter, you know, the Emmys. <laughs> daytime Emmys, primetime Emmys. That's it. Otherwise, you are a regional award winner. Also, why are you listening to fucking Emmy Award you won when you were fucking kid and you're like mm-hmm. a, a senior citizen now? Come on. Moron. I heard he's um he's an Emmy Award winner. <laughs> he's got a fucking Emmy Award winner. <laughs> Look at that. Yeah. He won an Emmy. In fucking uh, Podunk, Missouri. In Paducah, yeah. Ethan continues, the $20 tier was the best financial decision I've ever made. I agree. Just when I thought the elastic in my butt pussy couldn't be stretched any further, you two inject 10 cc's Zahori in a ball into that lapsed dick and split me in half, but I still got up. TLF has gotten me through two babies. Because really, you know what that is? Here's the thing, too, that you got to understand. absolutely. It's an investment. Right. It's an investment, and it's an investment in yourself. Right. And your ability, as he's just about to outline, to countenance... Life's yes. drudgery yes. and life's challenges. He writes, TLF has gotten me through two babies, a back surgery, and the COVID shutdown. Keep doing yep. the warlord's work. And I think, you know, we look back at those, like, lockdown days of the pandemic. Why were we able to, to deal with it like we dealt with it? Because we had this cast. Why were you yes. in listener land able to deal with it the way you, hopefully, were able to deal with it? Because you had this cast. It, it, it was resilient through that. There was nothing breaking there was, the there bond. There was an, out, uh, an outlet. Very, Correct. very, and we sacrificed very, nothing. You know, even television shows you right. could tell there was a pandemic when they put whatever they managed to put on the TV screen. You know, fucking Zoom calls as television shows, for instance. Right, right. Fucking making movies. They had like a whole movie that was a Zoom call. This is this is it's most minimalist. This is almost an aesthetic ver- version of of conversation. This, but bot. but you know what? But you know what it is though. Here's the thing. It's, see, it's like also like reading a book, in that in that you. There's you're able to use your imagination and picture that's something. Right, that's right. That's more, you know. That's the power. So. If you ask me, yes. I'll take it yes. any day of the week over video. Agreed. Where Agreed. People are like, look at me, and uh, is this a podcast or is this a Facebook ad for a shirt that is constructed so that it hides your beer gut and you can, you know, attract 25 year old women when you're 37. I yes. can't tell the difference. Uh, Haystacks Calhoun writes to us. Having listened... Kowloon. Yes, Kowloon. What did I say? Kowloon. Yeah, I just it's Kowloon. It's Come on, you got to remember. It's about Chinese food. Having listened to the lamentable tragedy for the fourth fuck me in the ass with truth time. I wonder if the real lamentable tragedy in all of this is that the venerable chairman haven't recorded every single goddamn conversation they've ever had, minus private information, of course. <laughs> we members of the solar system are basking in the blinding light of genuine greatness, and I, for one, call it decisive no bullshit on the whole incredible ballgame. We are being golden showered with ambrosia, and all of us would do well to recognize and appreciate the fact. I remember one conversation. This, this is how fucking ludicrous it was. I remember one phone conversation... <laughs> that happened maybe uh, some summer in college. And it went from being a simple, you know, what would be, what, what should be a, a, a 15 minute call yep. maximum. Yep. That's what a normal conversation should be. 
but it ended up being three hours. Pacing in our bedrooms, just like burning cell phone battery. That's how we knew, right? That we had a podcast. (laughs) We can just go. Oh my God, that was so fucking fun. I remember thinking to myself, what is going on here? I think about that. You know, when people ask us, like, how how can I make a podcast? What makes a good podcast? Like, it's like, I don't know what to tell you if you came up in the era when podcast already existed because you didn't have that yeah. pre-existing friendship with somebody in kinship that you know could make listenable stream of consciousness audio because now right, right, people right. are such, like, fake digital friends, you know, and they're like... Oh, I know. They become friends almost like as business partners as much as friends, you know, like especially, yes, yes. you know, you launch into a podcast venture with somebody that you've only known for a year or two. Like, yeah, you can have some rapport, you can have some banter, but the only reason that exists is because you kind of both were trying to make yourselves famous, you know? Right. The, the, right. the rapport didn't exist before that. It's, it's really, it is kind of, it is hard in this day and age to create because, because nobody, like even even in this day, like I mean, I I would love to know if people if people have those kinds of conversations with friends anymore. You know where we fucking just yeah. trail off, start talking about wrestling, and you know it's all texts now, and that's so right. Fucking it's mostly weak. text. Like you have maybe a little bit of a phone conversation, maybe you do a FaceTime here and there, but it's mostly written communication, and there's none of that fucking weird shit that you're able to do. It's amazing. You know, it's the weird shit that counts. Yeah. Everyone, everyone shies away from the weird shit, but it's the weird shit that people want to listen to. I'm sorry. It's so true. I mean, no matter how much praise we get for the depth of research and our expertise and how, you know, we, we bring forward things you never thought about or about wrestling and help you watch wrestling and help you feel wrestling and all of that and explain wrestling. The stuff that reverberates, the stuff that we keep hearing back are those off the beaten path moments where we just go with our instinct and try to just fucking pop each other. Right. And it's like, how, am I supposed to feel bad when somebody doesn't think what you think is funny is funny or what I think is like, no, I'm supposed to think, get the fuck out of here. I mean, I mean, get the Jesus fuck Christ. away from me. If you don't think this is funny, like seriously. I mean, I mean, if anything, we've known nobody thinks that, that, that we're funny or right. <laughs> for fucking, for fucking decades now. Has not stopped us. We've always been in this process of editing people out who don't get it, right? And I'm not saying get it as, like we're achieving some high philosophical thing that's worth getting. I'm saying if you don't get us, get the fuck out of the room because we're here trying to find the people who do. We're I mean, here hey, trying to find the, the tribe here. The wives have done that. They've gotten out of Absolutely. the fucking room. Absolutely. It's it's like we, we're experts at this point at compartmentalizing all this shit, you know? And it turns out this little compartmentalization of this weird... <laughs> fucking shit we do has just like this whole community of people that have been looking for just that and pro wrestling do ben from norway writes to the point hard pressed you'd be hard pressed to find a more concentrated group of engaged inspired creative intelligent and witty people than the members of the tlf solar system and i can I would say agree. without reservation that i'm proud to be a member i'm not a wrestling fan by any means he says and i know that makes me an unlikely outlier but i can't even begin to describe how impressed i am by this gang or by the two fuckers who consistently energize them and me best regards to all concerned parties and he follows up with an interesting thought he says i wonder if the chairman would be willing to do an oil check to see how many members of the tlf solar system there are who aren't (laughs) wrestling fans per se 
I mean, like paying customers like me who can't ever seem to get enough of that fucking cast but who have no other significant connection to wrestling except what they've learned through hours of listening to TLF. I expect it's a dwindling few, but whatever it is, the number should be definitely larger. Boss, are we playing with this notion that so many wrestlers have when they put out biographies that are marketed towards not the wrestling audience but some broader audience, which is always a laughable exercise? I mean, we've certainly gotten a, a fair sh- a fair share of emails from people who aren't really wrestling fans who somehow got turned on to our podcast and stayed. I've heard, I've definitely we've read a few of them. I'd love I, to know. I'd love to know as Ben would. I'm I'm always I'm I'm always I'm always fascinated by that. Like, uh, that's great to me. I mean, again, I mean, I I don't think we we cater to that for sure. We actually we cater the opposite. In Pretty many much, ways. Yeah, right? But. That's that is fascinating. So if you're out it's there, fascinating notion, and you somehow came up across our podcast, and you don't really like pro wrestling, but you like the show, we'd love to hear from you because how did that happen? First of all, how did you come to know? Right. And also, more most importantly, how the fuck do you last for hours on end if you don't care about wrestling? On shit, if you don't care about wrestling, that to me is that's the big one. Well, another thing I've said when people ask about how to make a podcast, it's like you got to be, you have to be enough. Yes. Right. Yes. You have to be enough of a reason to listen to the show. Just who you are, not That's, who your guests. That, you know, are. I got to tell you that I've told that to many people. Like anybody who comes, you know, because there are a lot of there are a lot of theater folk um, who who uh, uh, who have you know reached out. Like they, if, you know, they they my my wife's on a on a on a board like a um a message board with one of her, one of the studios that she's done classes with. And so she's, she's like, she, people ever talk about podcasts. She immediately says, Hey, <laughs> talk to my husband. And I've, I've had conversations with people. I've had phone conversations. And I'm like, and I say that exact same thing. I say the thing that I have learned the most is that, and the thing that I've seen from my own experience, working with other people, working with friends on their shows is they give up is the hardest thing is having guests and them not relying on themselves as being enough. And so they quit because they can't, they can't, they can't find guests and to interview. And I'm like, well, if you have a podcast, it should be about you. I would think it so. should be about you. And it's stand up comedy. It's not, you right. know, and I know that there are great interview shows out there, but you know, people listen to Rogan because they like Rogan. Not because they like the guest. What's right. you know, it's not that Elon Musk is on Rogan's podcast; it's that Rogan is interviewing Elon Musk. That's the novelty. It's the the guy, the host that is right. the person right. they're invested in. And when people try to like create their personality by being like inquisitive interviewers, it's like that's not that's not the highest use of the podcast medium. That's like you're auditioning to be like an NPR like you know person, which is yeah, fine, like, but it's not a podcast. It does not make, in my opinion. M- my old manager did so. So I and I feel like it might have this might have happened um, because of me in a way. But uh, uh, my old manager did the same thing because he had he has a, a, a wealth of clients who who were on Broadway or uh, did all this and that, and so that became his thing. And I was like, I said, I said, okay. I said, listen. I said, if you want my advice, you know, he he saw it. And he said, what do you think about this? And I said, well. I think it's great if you if you it, to get the information from these people. But I, I said I think the most important thing is that you yourself are uh, an entity that people want to listen to, and I think you are. 
but he never took my advice on that. And well, within it's, it's a hard thing for a lot of people to deal with because yeah, of the course. fact of the matter is well, most, then you know, it, most people it, you don't want to hear you don't give a fuck about, you know, that most people aren't right. that interesting. But he and I have to say he is, but it's hard because also then it's like then also the responsibility is I mean that's an ego but that's an ego kill right there. It's Absolutely, like oh, nobody yeah. wanted to fucking listen to me. You know? Yeah, people would yeah, especially that that's that's a kind of an ass backwards thing. Like there are a lot of prominent people who are already successes in their field who are intimidated by doing a podcast because they're afraid of being told no one actually gives a shit. You know, they want to avoid right. that moment of truth. And it's it's not that no one gives a shit, it's that you just might not be good for the medium, you know? This is just like a tailor made. And God medium. forbid someone not be good for the medium. <laughs> I know, so true. Uh he follows up, does Ben, I finally figured out what TLF is a boot, he writes. I'm not dicking mm. around here, so I'm going to write this extended metaphor. Chewy Obs, is that what it's a boot? I think that's what he's going for. I'm going to write this extended metaphor that occurred to me as I woke up this morning as succinctly as I possibly can. The chairman are world-class jazz musicians from New England. Yes. Professional yes. wrestling is the real book. Do you know what the real book is? No. It's like a compilation of lead sheets for jazz standards, according okay. to Wikipedia. Okay. And the name is derived from fake books, so-called because they contain only rough outlines of music pieces books, yes. rather yes. than fully notated scenes. Okay. Scores. Uh, the professional wrestling is the real book, he says. The notes are not only right. words, but also music and other sounds and inflections, like eating water, hard consonants, the lapsed jukebox, mm. etc. The melodies are streams of thought. The riffing is the banter, and it can go absolutely anywhere the notes allow. The solar system is a group of jazz enthusiasts. Yes. There are also musicians in the solar system, and they play a riff whenever they get a nod from the German. Yes. Most will not appreciate it. Those who do will love it. Those who don't might vehemently hate it. You don't have to be an aficionado to enjoy it. Monetary compensation for their work will never be sufficient, because art is being created, recorded, right. and presented. As with all good art, an aspect of truth is being acknowledged and addressed. TLF is not a wrestling podcast, he writes. And it's not a food podcast. The Lapsed Fan is a jazz podcast. <laughs> it's about two. And we just fucking disabuse him of that notion. What you do? Playing bass, and I'm and I'm fucking scat singing there. <laughs> It's about two incredibly talented musicians artfully and skillfully interpreting their memories and perceptions with the instruments they have at their disposal. Mm. I'll take it. I'll take it. And he follows up. Having had the opportunity to percolate a little, I'm going to make a couple of minor edits to my original email in case the chairman consider it worthy of reading aloud on that cast at some point. I won't mention the fact that I wrote it on my Norwegian refrigerated warehouse lunch break. <laughs> extended by a very lengthy trip to the bathroom after Norwegian work. warehouse lunch break. Correct. Yeah, that's like a fucking That thing. could be the name of like a movie. That's right like a there. band in the 90s. Yes. <laughs> the gin blossoms, the opening for the gin blossoms tonight, Norwegian refrigerated <laughs> warehouse lunch break. Uh, because I wanted to make. Or, or the NWLB. That's correct. Yeah, for short. Noodlebub. Because I wanted to make sure I got it all down in case I were to die in a traffic accident on the way to work. Okay, so we kind of, uh, he, he refines a couple of things um, that, that we just read, but I'm not going to go through them again. Um but he put it this way. Most will not appreciate the work. Those who do will love it. Those who don't might not be able to stomach it. That's that's a good way of putting it. Mm. They can't stomach it. Yeah, some people, they just can't, they can't stand to hear people laughing at things they don't find funny. 
Like they actually have like a reaction to it, you know? And I just don't, I've never really had a reason to like take those people into consideration when I yes. kind of live my life, you know, cause they're just, they're useless. Like, you know, like, like the joyless standup comic, you know, the person oh. like the comic who can only smile and joke and try to pre- and pretend to be genial and relatable when he's on stage, because the rest of the time he kind of thinks he's smarter than you. And he kind of yeah. thinks he notices the humor and things that, you know, he's, he's been endowed by his creator with an ability to see the humor and things that you just wouldn't have the ability to see or perceive of, or mm-hmm. he's mm-hmm. too proud of his reputation as a comedian to laugh at somebody else's joke or show any affability towards somebody else, because that would be kind of acknowledging that they're funny and a potential threat to him. Get those, get those people out of your lane as soon as possible by detouring, by taking the nearest exit is my strong suggestion. If you know the type, if you don't know what the fuck I'm talking about, you're fine. Don't worry about it. But if you do, buyer beware. Jose Fortuna, thank you very much for that fucking pledge. We love it. Adam writes uh, to us, film would have been much better if it was just Abdullah ordering and eating massive quantities of food for two hours. What film might that be? That's under the Cinemat's 50th episode. I like to hurt people. My God. Starring the Sheik. I like to hurt people. Says the TLF episodes are comprised of three of Earth's finest elements: pain, food, and nostalgia. That's <laughs> it, man. Pain, food, and nostalgia. And shame. Truly an addicting, dangerous, beautiful thing. May we all stay addicted to TLF for years to come. I will toast to that with a can of Pabst. Fred Denstorf, thanks very much for increasing your pledge and joining the EP tier. Luke McBratney, thanks very much for your generous support. Mike writes to us. Pardon me, Mike Olson. Hearing my hometown on a TLF episode is surreal. The fact that it was about Lou Klein and his attending the Ann Arbor Chamber of Commerce breakfast is hilarious. This is all from the... Uh, what is that? It's from I Like to Hurt People. Oh, God, yes, 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 yes. He writes, Cobo Hall and Cobo Arena were both built... We Remember we were wondering if there was a difference? Yes. They were both built adjacent to each other in 1960. Ah, They were connected through two separate built, though two separate buildings. Cobo Arena was an arena, and Cobo Hall was a convention center. Cobo Center was used to refer to the entire structurum. Structurum? I've never heard that word before. Cobo Hall is now Huntington Place. Cobo Arena is now the Grand Riverview Ballroom. Okay, good to know. So that's, they were two buildings, though, connected. And he says, as someone from Southeast Michigan, you guys uh, painting everyone in the area with a broad brush of working for Ford is ridiculous. We also had people working for General Motors and Chrysler. <laughs> That's it, Mike. Let's fucking get it. Faster than Chuck. Thanks for that fast fucking deal into our wallets. We appreciate that veiny pledge. Sam Gavshack, thanks very much for increasing your allotment to the co-chairs. Mr. Peeper Number, thank you very much for that EP donation. Yes. As to you, Will Randolph, welcome in. Lee Howard. Thank you very much for your pledge. Welcome to Patreon. Michael Richter, we appreciate the support. Thank you, my friend. Cody Hinkle, let's fucking get it. We appreciate that support. Same to you, JC, for joining, uh, getting in line for that lapsed premium content. Greg, thank you very much. Eric Prater, welcome to the executive producer tier. Enjoy Under the Cinemat. Chad Selberg, thank you very much for your pledge. Joshua Gibson writes to us, going through the 97 journey for what seems like the millionth time. That's It's not the 97 journey. What is it? It's the road to Montreal. Here's a hypothetical question for the co-chairs. How different would the wrestling business be if they did Brett vs. Sean vs. Taker vs. Austin four-way for the world title at SummerSlam instead of Brett vs. Taker and Austin vs. Owen? Brett could have gone over without Sean having to lose the fall while still technically getting a big win, plus Austin wouldn't have been pile-driven into an eventual early retirement. Anyway, just a quick what-if for the day. Well, I mean, yeah. The biggest what-if is what if Austin get paralyzed you know, or nearly paralyzed. Right. 
Right. Uh, regardless of what was he did on that SummerSlam card, that's kind of a separate what if. But I don't know, man. I, I don't. I don't think much would change. I mean, if Brett comes out of SummerSlam with the championship, I think the same thing happens pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Will Valdez, thank you very much for bumping up to that tip-top tier. We appreciate it. Same to you, Scott Gallagher, who came in who came in conservative and ended up going bullish. John Newingham, thank you very much for joining that executive producer tier. Michael Caprio, thank you so very much uh, for the support. Joe wants us to know in Dallas that he's, he's going through WCCW again. He's doing it. Hi, all fellas. Right. I just sent for you sure some bread for the hopper. Thanks for all you do. I'm around your age. From what I can tell, and I have very, very faint memories of going to my grandmother's for Christmas and my older cousins huddling around the TV to watch the Von Erichs. This likely would have been around 1985. I would have been about five, so this would have been well on the downhill, close to the nadir of WCCW. I've always been fascinated by the morbid and tragic tale of the Von Erichs, but I was never a wrestling fan. I'm still not. Hey, here's another one. Someone who's That's not a wrestling fan, yeah. I was wow. never a movie fan right. either, but I loved MS2-3K as a kid for the piss takes and banter. Uh, that's uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000. Yes. Uh, the cast is like MST. Can I, under, I, I, I never understood this. Yes. This is, I mean, this is something that I remember in high school. I knew, a, I knew a guy who said, I'm not really much of a music fan. And I'm like, What? Yeah, that's me. That's me. That doesn't I've comprehend that, with me. I've said I don't really like music. I've said it before. <laughs> You've said that? Yeah. Yeah, I don't get it. I don't I don't get the need to constantly have music. Like I don't I don't need my life to be like a soundtrack all the time to a movie. I'm, I mean, I'm no, I, I don't I don't either, but I but I love music. Like I listen to music. I I I you know, like there's I hear you. I could take I don't need I it could all take it around. Either. But it's just, it's just funny. I, I, it's funny to me how someone can't, uh, someone says, yeah, I'm not, I don't really like music. And how someone says, I don't really like movies. I don't get that. Like how, I mean, I know that there are a lot of other things that can entertain us, especially in this day and age, but it just, those things they seem to underpin seem everything. so, they seem so primal to me in a way of, of in forms, in, in terms of entertainment that how can you not at least enjoy them in some way? Yeah, I think it's just for people who like would struggle to answer the question: Who's your favorite artist? What's your favorite album? What's your favorite song? What's your favorite genre of music? A lot. I mean, that's the thing. I can t honestly tell you that I know so little about about people, about artists and whatnot. I know songs. I've never been, in terms of pop music, in terms of film score, right. I could I could talk your ear off. But in terms of like of of pop music or any kind of any kind of popular. Um, you know, uh, any kind of radio music per se. I don't like, I don't, I don't like, I don't, I don't like country music, but I don't dislike all country songs. Right, I don't right. listen to rap all the time, but I don't, but I certainly like a lot of rap songs. I, there's, you know, there, there, there is some contemporary pop music that I can't, you know, I don't generally listen to contemporary pop music, but there are songs that I'm like, Oh, that's a catchy tune. And I like them. So it's, it's very much like, I don't, I don't, I don't like music as a genre. I mean, I guess there's one genre I like it. Like it's film score. I like film score. I can definitely say I like that, but like the, everything else, I like everything. I like, I just like songs. I like, <clears throat> and I've got a million songs from all different genres of music that, you know, uh, so I, I, 
I have always considered my 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 taste to be very wide, a wide variety of musical taste because I don't I don't I don't judge music like that. Yeah, I'm actually I, trying to find the person who says they do. Everybody says that. I can't think of anybody. Yeah. Well, I mean, nowadays you do, but like, you yeah. know, back in like when we were growing up, it was like you kind of Yeah, yeah. You know, I like I like this music. Yeah, I think That's yeah, it. yeah, cuz you dressed like it and it was your personality. I, I think right. what they're talking about is like, you know, people who never bought a CD in their life and never bought a DVD in their life, but they've watched movies, they've listened to the radio, but because they don't spend on it, they don't consider themselves fans of it. I think that's yeah. the difference. Maybe. They don't have a collection of anything. They don't have CDs in their car. They don't, you know what I mean? It's just, it's just not something they spend money on. And I think that's kind of what people mean when they say they're not fans of music per se. Like, I got you. There, there's some people who never could understand how you could not have Spotify. Like, how can you not have something on your phone that plays music for you all the time at a, at a you know, a barbecue or in your car. There are a yeah, lot of well, people. That, that, I, I don't, I mean, I don't, I don't ever use Spotify. There are a lot of people who don't have that. You know what I mean? Like, they just don't. Um, but yeah, I, I know what you mean. Like, it's kind of a weird thing to say, but I, I do get it. I do feel like it's kind of like people who say they love, the, people say like, they like music and people say they like movies. It's like, do you like it or do you like, is that like your thing? Right. It's hard to tell the difference, you know, because if it's your right. thing, then it's not very enjoyable to talk to somebody who's a total geek about music. If you're not, you know, it's just, it's just sure. Yeah, nothing. It's, I think that's kind of the trepidation of it. It's like you yeah. don't just walk on yeah. the Emerson campus and say you love movies because you're going to have to deal oh my with God. people. I remember. Sufferable people. Oh, my God. I, I remember. I God, what was I don't remember what it was. I remember walking one of the first people I met at Emerson. And. I said I was really what was I really into at the time? I was either into Reservoir Dogs or I was into uh, Army of Darkness of from the Evil Dead, the original Evil Dead movies. I said one of those two things, and they were just like, "Oh my god, what is wrong with you?" That's like right, so right. like seventh grade. Don't you know what people f- say about people or something that like, like that? that? Yeah. <laughs> No, I don't. I don't even I have like, a denim well, jacket for Christ's sake. So, <laughs> I was like, well, I like them. Yeah. It's like, okay. When so, I, do you think what just happened is I stopped liking that or I started disliking you? Right. Right. What what was yeah, exactly. Am I am I impressed with you because you are making fun of what I like? Or am I suddenly changing to conform to your expectations, <laughs> you motherfucker? Well, if you don't like me, I don't care. It's like, okay, good. Well, we can move on then. Have a nice day. <laughs> good. Then we can just sit here and I can say to you, I don't like you. And you can respond back, you don't like me. And we can be done with it. Yes. And you're not going to come to my one of my parties and, and try to turn it I'll, into a debate about Iraq foreign policy. This will be great. I'll, t- I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what will happen. You may wake up on fire some morning. See ya. <laughs> From the cigs that you rip. In a relentless pursuit right. to appear hip, relentless. Right. Um. Yeah. So whatever. Uh, uh, I'm still not a wrestling fan. Joe writes, "I was never a movie fan either, but I love mystery science. This cast is like the MST3K for wrestling. You are both hilarious and clearly have a close relationship that goes way back that comes through loud and clear. I'm from Texas. Both sides of my family are from North Texas, not too far from the Von Erich compound. So the story really hits home. And JPS, I agree with. I don't get the whole Texas pride thing. I never have." I remember staring at a map of the United States as a kid saying, Jesus Christ, this state is so fucking big. How the hell will I ever get out of here? 
Well, I did for a bit. I spent four great years in San Francisco and have been fortunate to travel a fair amount outside the U.S., including significant time in Spain and Mexico as a college student. I never once came across a Californian saying California is the best, even with all their state and national parks. So I don't get the Texas pride thing at all. Anyway, I find myself back in Texas, and yes, it's fair share of belligerent assholes and backwards politics, but there are a lot of normal people here just trying to get by and do their thing. So when you said that Texas leaves me empty, I felt a bit crestfallen. I could show you a good time. I'm not saying you will like it, but at least you won't leave here feeling empty. Jesus, man. Anyway, one of my best friends is from Southern Rhode Island, and JP, you remind me of him so much. It's uncanny. The voice, the inflection. Sense of humor, it freaks me out, to be honest. Jack, your straight man roll is spot on, too. I love it when you pop JP <laughs> with a puzzled but rational reaction to his over-the-top characters. You are both hilarious and remind me of my crew of lads bantering. Okay, enough rambling. My highlights of the lamentable tragedy of world-class championship wrestling. One, I forget the context, but it's towards the end of the series, and you guys are clearly punch-drunk and loopy, fake Fritz. <clears throat> you, get, <laughs> you get to Bill Medicaid, and I get Bill Mercer. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, some of those, some of those like late stage world class lamentable tragedy episodes. We are three a.m. Like just you get talking to spirits. You get to bill Medicaid. Is that what it is? Yeah, you get to bill Medicaid, and I get to bill Bill Medicaid, and I get Bill Mercer. That's fair. I don't know why, but that tickled me. Bill Mercer's a moron. (laughs) Two, the general heel turn on Bill Mercer. Your support for him fades, and it's great to witness. Three, the I'm just sitting here routine by Fritz. <laughs> he is just always sitting here, you know. I'm just sitting here and I'm just wondering why. Four, Fritz in general kills me, but the all-time best is him negotiating with Jerry Jarrett. I'm sitting here. I'm representing Texas. <laughs> <laughs> Jerry, Fritz, I don't know what Texas has to do with it, but okay, whatever, Fritz. He, like, makes it like a promo about with the Lone Star State and blazing <laughs> Native son. I don't know what you do up there, Jerry Jarrett, but I sit here. I'm just sitting around here. I'm representing Texas. You understand that? All right. <laughs> I want you to know my face, in order to get into the, the Fritz mode, right now my nose is squunched up. Yes, it is. Okay. My eyes are more or less are squinting and closed, and I have to just kind of get in the back of my mouth, back of my throat. Yes. Uh, That's it. Moving to the uh, Scott Hall postmortem episode that we did, and it's our good friend Mike uh, writing to us. <laughs> 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 about the takeoff messages on the Scott Hall tribute show. Boss, please share Mike's uh, thoughts. Here. Oh, gladly. Um, all right. <laughs> oh, boy. Greetings, co-chairs. Great work shining the proper and correct light on the career of Scott Hall. Upon hearing of him entering a vegetative state and then reading Nash's post that he would be taken off life support soon after, I knew a deep dive was coming from my bruised and tattered asshole. My initial concern was that I would be in a dis- in disagreement with you both over the significance of Hall's impact on the industry. I've always thought he was supremely overrated. And the fact that he's in the Hall of Fame solo and as a member of the NWO while Arn Anderson is in only as a horseman is a joke. I was pleased and not surprised that we seem to share the same assessment. He peaked at WrestleMania 10. He had no memorable matches in WCW. And without Hogan turning heel, we would not be talking about the NWO today. 
When you boil it down, his whole essence was a developed persona in order to appear, quote-unquote, cool, because in reality, he was not a cool person. He knew he was floor to trash the minute he took a dude's life in a strip club parking lot, a supremely not cool thing to do. Uh, belittling other people to get a laugh is not cool. Mocking someone for taking their job seriously is not cool. Working the least while getting paid the most is not cool. I don't know about that one. <laughs> that, that one actually is pretty cool. Yeah. If you're able to make it out that you can that you can work the least and get paid the most, that's, uh, that's pretty cool. It's not cool for anybody else, but it's pretty cool. Uh, but this character he developed allowed him to be all of those things, all of these not cool things by putting them in this neat little package as the very cool bad guy. Quote, Brett was a mark for the business. Quote, easy Jericho, I got no problem with you, Mang. Yes. Quote, what is it, real? Too close to Portland? So good. Shawn Michaels fell for it. Kevin Nash fell for it. Trips fell for it. Hogan fell for it. No, no Waltman? No. Nope. No Waltman fell for it either? Right, fine. Not that I can see. Uh, they all, huh? Not that I can see. Yeah, no. They all wanted the Scott Hall coolness rub. But as the co-chairs have so plainly put forth, this man is garbage, and they all got hoodwinked. Well, however, something came into clear focus to me while that cast was drilling into my prostate like yes. Don Morocco with a jackhammer in the pile driver video. Why was Scott so tied to this brand of false coolness? Who inspired him to act the way he did? Mm. And is it possible that Scott's entire entity was a knockoff failed attempt at emulating an actual cool person? Yeah. A person who garnered real respect yeah. for by the boys for actually being cool. A person that was not to be fucked with. A person who you will never put one over on. And if you happen to catch him off guard with a rib, he will come back at you ten times harder. Yes. And you love him for it. Scott Hall wanted nothing more than to be looked at and respected in the same way as he as his idol and mentor. An actual cool person, Kurt fucking Hennig. Mm -hmm. Well, system, go back and re-listen to this cast, and then, and when you do, pay attention to all the times Kurt's name slips in here and there. Kurt is the actual cool one. Kurt is the one who never gets his feathers ruffled. Kurt is the superior athlete. Mm -hmm. Kurt was the one who taught Hall to work slowly, to mess with people's hair when they're laying on the mat. Kurt is the one who showed Scott how to talk to Vince, how to work for yes. Vince. Yes. It's all Kurt. Scott Hall made an entire career out of attempting to be as cool as his cooler friend, and has he and all he has to show for it is that missing eyebrow. There's a big difference between being the bad guy and a bad guy. Yes. Scott was the latter. Very nice. Rest in peace, Scott Hall. Yes. Hopefully heaven isn't too lame for you. <laughs> Still wrestling for a cure. Bring that fucking Michael heat. Bring that heat, fucking, Mike. 
that's that's ballsy, man. That's, that's what, fucking that's, that's, that's the conclusion we need. That's those are the take homes we need on that Scott Hall tribute episode. Andrew Warren, thanks for increasing the pledge. Also coming in here uh, on on that fucking subject matter is Kelly Tripto, who writes, I was 10 years old in 1992. I was already a pretty obsessed fan, pouring over the WWF merch catalog and practicing my Tatanka war cry. My dad was very indulgent of my fandom, even if he didn't really get it anymore. He let me practice my sharpshooter on him and introduced me to the Von Raschke claw. He even took me and my brother to the Mains 9, a great memory, even if it's accepted as the worst WrestleMania ever. And even though he left pro wrestling behind in the 70s, sometimes something would make him stop and watch with me. Razor Ramon was the first time I remember that happening. It's not like he became a fan again or anything, but he got a kick out of the bad guy. He would occasionally call me Chico, and the word machismo had entered the lexicon. The other thing about my dad is that he comes from a family of alcoholics and was pretty much the only male in his family to escape the curse. Skipped my 30s, and I'm consuming a dangerously heroic amount of cheap whiskey every single day, up to a half gallon sometimes. I was miserableness, villain of a man. My wife had no choice but to leave me, completely isolated and unsupervised in Alaska. My dad knows that that I'm killing myself, but he can't prove it, and I won't admit to anything. This was happening around the same time of Scott Hall getting into the Hall of Fame. I may have even made a phone call back home and slurred to mom and dad all about how bad times don't last, but bad guys do. Still in denial about how fucking shitty my situation had become. One day a package arrives from my parents, and it's DDP yoga to help me Mm. lose weight. I wonder what the conversation was like as they no doubt discussed why I wouldn't even admit to them that I had a big fucking problem, but I might listen to this fake wrestler. I never even took the cellophane off of the DVD cases. I got up. I got fucked up instead. I got fucked up instead. Less than a year later. That's right. Back in my home state and I'm in the ICU. The doctors were preparing my parents for the very real possibility that I would die. I probably should have died. But after almost a month in the hospital, the doctor told me, and this is a fucking quote, well, I can't believe it, but you have a healthy liver. I wish I could say I got clean right away, but that would be a lie, and I've done enough lying about my drinking for a lifetime. No, I interpreted that healthy liver comment the only way an addict can, as a green light, to hit the liquor store. Absolutely. I did get clean eventually, and am clean now. I got my health back, got a good blue-collar job that I'm proud of, and I'm in the best relationship of my life. I'm even mending fences with my dad. I'm doing good. The news of Scott's passing wasn't surprising, but it was scary. A reminder that you can work your ass off, find some redemption, and even reclaim your health. But there's always going to be a price for the damage you've done. These days I look at the before and after pictures of John Moxley and tell myself to keep going. Am I being willfully naive if I choose to believe that Scott was a good guy who made a lot of bad choices and not a real-life heel, maybe? But I have to if I want to have hope for myself. Sincerely, Kelly. Quite the counterpoint there. To our friend Mike. Jeez. Prompting, uh, that's what we do here. We go, we, we explore more to expose the core. There's discussion. Use wrestling as a springboard to truth. Yes. James, thank you for the pledge. We appreciate it, my friend. We had a question about Sting and changing his hair color on uh, the Scott Hall shows, and Bez wrote to us. Regarding that conversation um, about Sting growing his hair out in 1996, the reasons were twofold. One, Jack was correct about the blonde dye screwing up Sting's hair. And two, Sting has mentioned another reason for growing the hair out was because... He wanted to get into acting and wanted a more marketable look. And indeed, Interesting. Sting did film a movie in 1997 called The Real Reason. Men commit crimes in parenthesis. So you won't put the real reason on there. As the, the real reason Sting grew his hair out. <laughs> it's as good of a reason to go under the cinematis I can think of. Mm-hmm. Michael Ferguson, thank you very much for your pledge. Welcome to the solar system. John from Nashville. Scott Hall is the greatest Batman villain. 
dear Cola Parkas. Scott Hall is the real-life incarnation of Harvey Two-Face. And yes, Two-Face is the greatest Batman villain. Or at least he's my favorite. I think why I like him so much is because he represents... He's very good. I do like Two-Face. He's probably my second favorite. Yep. And definitely a wrestler being Joker's two-faced. Joker's got to be my favorite. Joker's always my favorite. Yeah, hard to beat. But a wrestler being two-faced, I, I get it. Yep, absolutely. Because he represents the duality of man, the good guy and the bad guy at war within each of us. And he's so consumed by the need for fairness. But as SummerSlam 1997 taught us, life is not fair. Back to Scott Hall. He <laughs> is two-faced. It seems to me that very few people have a neutral opinion about the man. They either love him as the good guy or hate him as the bad guy. It's all or nothing with him. Either he was this cool guy and great performer and can be remembered as such. Or he was a monster and jerk that wreaked havoc everywhere he went, if only because of he was a slave to his inner demons. At the end of the Dark Knight, Harvey Two-Face has fallen to his death. Batman knows that he's a monster, but he also knows that Gotham needs to remember him as the hero he aspired to be. And so he turns the mangled face of the villain to the ground, keeping the human side turned toward the light. This is how I choose to remember Scott Hall. For the light that he brought. He may not be the hero that we deserve, but he's the one that we need. Two mm-hmm. quick Scott Hall stories that make it, make me laugh. One, on a podcast interview, the most the host rather mentioned that it was the twentieth year anniversary of whatever major moment Scott Hall was a part of. Scott Hall, without missing a beat, quipped, "Feels like 19. <laughs> That's good <laughs> shit. That's Scott Hall. Two, on a podcast interview with X Pac, Sean Waltman mentioned that Coliseum Home Video used to be an adult film distributor. Scott Hall, again without missing a beat, quipped, "You would know." Wow. Maybe I misinterpreted his heart, but it seemed to my ears upon listening that Scott wasn't being a jerk with those quips. He was just being quick-witted, not taking himself too seriously and busting his best friend's balls. I could judge Scott Hall harshly, and maybe he even earned said harsh judgment, but I choose to show him mercy, if only because I hope to receive the same when I'm gone. I hope people believe the best about me, even if I didn't earn it every step of the way. Life isn't fair, but today I'll let the scales tip in favor of Scott Hall. Survey says, one more for the bad guy. Thanks, Coach Ayers. Given my 60-hour-a-week work schedule, I'm able to go through all your journeys and tributes again. Hashtag shelf for life. Thank you, John. Great message. And, um, yeah, uh, thank you to the economy, by the way, for yes. helping people get through 60-hour shifts, which is kind of absurd Jeez, on its face. That is insane. Will. That is insane, and it's not okay. Thank you for the pledge. We appreciate it, my friend. Kikis, thanks for continuing to increase that pledge and that uh, Norwegian currency de, uh, uh, version there. Please, denomination. please. More, more no Norwegian currency. <laughs> uh, here's uh, Carl, our good friend from South Africa, writing to us about Scott Hall and the, South Africa. And the experience of a WWE fan <laughs> in the 90s in South Africa. Cape Town, here comes oh Carl. Oh my God, let's get it. Let's fucking get it. Correct. Hey, coaches. It's Geary. Let's have it's let's so have some hard. chicken breast. It's so fucking hard. Geary Strarum. However, he like told us to it's, say it. You know, I remember that it was it was. It's like it's got Australian. It's got it's got various. Anyway, hi, co-chairs. Sorry, this is late. My mother has been in ICU. She's doing okay for now, or now rather, not for now. Um, for the last few weeks, and it was a touch and go, and so it's been a bit of a whirlwind. My first memory of Scott Hall was a ladder match with Shawn Michaels from a tape I rented. I can't for the life of me remember which ladder match it was, but my nine-year-old eyes were stunned. I was, was the 95 one ever on a tape? The 95 what? Ladder match. The SummerSlam one? Yeah. 
I don't think so. I don't recall it ever being no, on tape. I don't think so. So I'm going to say it must be the, the WrestleMania 10 one. Uh, I was a huge fan of both men moving forwards. I love their showmanship, their entrances, their finishers, and their performances. Then one day, Razor disappeared. We didn't have WCW in South Africa. Um, even catching all the WWE broadcasts was a crapshoot. Pay-per-views would air at odd hours on seemingly random days on a channel we could only intermittently get. I recall seeing the Razor and Diesel on Raw one day and could tell they weren't the same guys. So in my mind, the real Holland Nash had simply vanished. The same phenomena happened for Brett and Sean, too. It was so weird trying to follow my fake shit by itself, let alone understanding the comings and goings. We would only get raw magazines months after publication, so being a fan was often an exercise in consuming the past as present. I only had Razor for like a year, and he left such an impact on my mind that I could remember all the details of his character years after the fact, while his peers, like Diesel, Warrior, etc., simply faded. As I got older, I've learned that I really enjoyed strong character work and work rate, so being drawn to Hall makes a lot of sense in hindsight. There are two things I want to give Hall credit for. Number one, the core of his self-destruction appears to be trauma. In an era when these things were not really spoken about or embraced as illness to be treated, when he finally broached it, there was a change in him, and he appeared to do his best to get through it. As someone who suffered through illness through my youth, uh, that was undiagnosed until I was 27. I respect that. Number two, I've grown to despise the clique and their influence on wrestling. However, Hall and Waltman actually seem to be to keep their to only keep their destructive tendencies to themselves and not tank everyone everything around them professionally in the process. History likes to compress people into a single thought, and Hall's legacy is too complex for that. Thank you for trying to unpack that legacy in a difficult set of shows that went deeper than ninety nine percent of people would ever think to go. Yes. I fear the day Jake dies. Oh my God. I suspect it will sound much like this, much the same. And we all have the inner conflict again of trying to reconcile our childhood hero against the demons of the real person. Take care. Carl from keep Dane. <laughs> you know, the thing about Jake is unless I'm forgetting something, Jake didn't actively harm other people in the same way Scott Hall did. And I don't mean just the murder thing uh, or the, the killing, the shooting. Just like Jake, I don't think you'll find a lot of people saying Jake hurt them or fucked with them or made their life difficult. You'll find people saying Jake made his own life difficult and hurt himself and fucked right. himself up all the time. Jake did, I don't know. I, I, I don't think of... The, of the go home messages being the same. I don't feel like we'd have to spend as much time reconciling, you know, whether this guy was worth praise or not. Like Jake was just, Jake is a tormented artist. No, Cause he really is. I mean, he, he, he fits that. He fits that mold to a T. I mean, he was so talented at this, at this one thing and it devoured him. Totally. You know, whereas Scott was like, he was like a drunk in the wrestling business who like kind of, yeah, he got into it, not with all the family baggage. He just got into it because like so many guys in the eighties, it was a way for a ripped motherfucker to get paid and get pussy, you know, and, and be famous. You know, he, he did fall in love with the business, make no mistake about it, but he, he wasn't really, he, he wasn't really going to uh, die for the art. 
You know what I mean? That wasn't wasn't really. She's gonna die because he was did so many substance problems. You know, uh, right? Whereas Jake, you can almost connect the substance problems to the art. You know, or at least he's good at making you think that. You know, that's that that's kind of the difference. Uh, I feel like it's a totally different vibe with those two. But maybe when the time comes and it'll be a sad day, um, we'll find something different when we that's do gonna the be, assessment. That's gonna be a fucking a fucking show. So I guess that that means we're obliged to do one for him no matter. I mean, I think we would have done one anyway. I think so. It's always weird. Like, I always kind of, people don't, I think, appreciate this about the cast. Like, we don't say ahead of time, like, this is absolutely a tribute show. We, we like, kind of feel the moment, right? With, like, when it happens, does it yep. feel like an occasion we have to rise to? And sometimes it doesn't. You know, I remember yeah. when China died, it was like, mm, no. You know, no, yeah. we're not going to do it. You know, not, not a, a diss on her. It just didn't feel like... People what she calling. did didn't just didn't warrant that kind of look. And you don't know that her. until you're dealing with the day of right. the death and the week of the death and seeing kind of how how deep are people's memories of this person. You know, it really yeah. is it about four or five moments, or, or did, did people have a lasting indelible impact on on the wrestling fan? And I'm not sure she did. I mean, she was a fascinating character study, and I'm sure we do would be a great thing to do. But you don't know until they die if it's if we need to drop everything and go into the lab. You know what I mean? James Irwin. Wrote. I mean, but there, there, there are a few that certainly it's going to happen. We can say ahead of time. Yeah. Yeah, but there are only a few. Fascinating. We got a lot yeah. of them coming up. I mean, this is going to be. I'm just thinking of the ages of some of these guys. Jeez. I mean, I'm I'm prepared for Flair in uh, in Tennessee. Oh come on, boss! Don't say that. I'm, hey, I said it. I'm prepared for it. It's going to happen. You've thought about what shows we do. Yeah, yeah, we we both talked oh, yeah. about it. Yeah, we've thought about that. We, I mean, that's why with the with the Hopper, there are there are some shows that are reserved for for those times. It's amazing. I even have a thing prepared. For, I don't think I've even told you this. I have a, I have uh, a preparation for Jake too. I'm electrified. Yep. Yeah. I'm electrified. It's um, something that we've never done before, but I'm prepared for it. I got it simply. I actually got it, and I have it simply just for Jake. That's terrific. Always yeah. something, always surprises. We we withhold a lot from each other, folks. I hope you know that. Yeah. Just so we can pop each other and yeah. rise. It's always for that. Always. Uh, <laughs> so hey, here's true. a message on Patreon from James Irwin that probably stands as the best advertisement for Under the Cinemat I can think of. He writes, say what you will about the lapsed fan and its approach to wrestling podcasting, but it can't be denied that they know how to bring lunch ladies to shuddering climax. <laughs> for more, check it out. That might have been the main <laughs> show. That might have been the main show. <laughs> but whatever. No. Uh, was it? Best advertising for what we do. Okay, if not for... What was it? Was it the main show or was no? It was a, I don't remember what it was. <laughs> Hold on, I can find out. Oh yeah. Oh. Oh. Let's see. James Irwin and Shuddering is the search. <laughs> yep. And it is Scott Hall tribute show part three. Oh my god! <laughs> it is Scott Hall. When some lunch lady just fucking said, "You know what." Oh. I've been deprived long enough. My bitch sister Marge <laughs> is driving me nuts. You got these three nasty women. Oh God! Sitting on fucking <laughs> sitting on on you know in in the cafeteria in like the the kitchen area. Yes. 
All right. You know, they're they're all <laughs> sitting on three side by side folding chairs and just drilling themselves with these fucking oh my God. Sloppy Joes and sloppy hoes, as it were. <laughs> just absolutely putrid. Oh. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Oh yeah. Have you ever oh. Have you ever smelled the combination of uh, Pizza Pockets and uh, Philip Morris cigarettes? Brent Clark, thanks for the pledge. Hangman's horse, let's get it. Let's get the, pull it out. Paul Elliott, yes, 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 Paul. Welcome to the Under the Cinematic team. Gonna it to, I was going to take it to another fucking level, but I'm, I, think, I think I'll keep my mouth shut. You can just imagine what I would have said. Discretion is the better part of valor. Oh, shit. Not always, but in this case, I will right. say yes. And uh, the next time uh, Finn Balor doesn't jump from the top to the floor, I'm going to say discretion is the better part of Balor as well. <laughs> uh, and Brandon Kaiser, thank you very much for that EP level pledge. He writes, I'm sorry, which is always a good subject line. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry I've been a freeloading fan for way too long, so I had to jump straight into the $20 tier to pay back some of the money I owe the chairman. That's the fucking spirit. That's how to look mm -hmm. at yourself in the mirror in the morning. That's how to deserve what you get. Laurent Mason, rock-solid member of the solar system. Thanks for that deep pledge and all of your support. Jesus writes to us, why are people so upset over Scott Hall? Because he is, for those of us at a certain age, the harbinger of becoming unlapsed for the first time. When he showed up on Nitro that first time, it gave us a feeling that we had not had in years, that maybe it could be better again. As much as we cry for the Mang, we cry for that feeling that we can be pulled back in again. Yes. I have to agree there. Mike writes, Steph at BU. <laughs> Take this for what it's worth. I lived in Boston in the early aughts. I don't know about the boyfriend rotation of her dorm room. Oh, God. <laughs> Remember that? We were talking about how Stephanie would get around in college. But, my, you just like... Pounded. I mean, just look. I mean, her forehead just keeps banging against the Van Gogh poster. The Starry Night poster. <laughs> Another guy... From upstate New York. I mean, how many guys that look like they're on Jersey Shore can there be on this campus? But my friend's college roommate was friends with her BU roommate. Uh-oh. It was widely reported amongst our friend group that on graduation day, Steph stood on a chair and pulled a rip from a six-foot bong while in her graduation row. Wow. Just prior to headed down the ceremony. That's all I got. That's plenty, Mike. Thanks for the intel. Maybe that's what she's doing. Uh, Paul writes, lapsed work life. One of my employees is training a new hire on company basics. We have a buddy system for stuff like benefits and culture, etc. My boss comes by and asks me how he's doing. I say, he's taught him everything he knows, but not everything he knows. That's right. My boss looks at me, turns, and leaves. Ian Kemp, thank you for the pledge. We like it. Keep it coming. Keep that fucking cake in the account. Pete McTaggart, thank you very much for your generous support and pledge. Um... Hold on. Here's a good one. From Hulk Hogan, a legend on Patreon. He writes, 1992 premiere of Rapid Fire. Brandon Lee is approached by professional wrestler Scott Hall. Hey, oh, you should. And he ends it at that. <laughs> uh, Adam writes, Martell theme is legit. One of the greatest entrance songs in the last 30 years, boss. Martell's? Yeah. It's fine. I don't know if it's great as it's funny. It is funny. 
He writes, Jim Johnston clearly listened to Those Shoes by the Eagles while writing Razor's Theme. That's something we missed on the Razor Tribute Show. Oh, yeah. That the Eagles inspired the Razor entrance. Total knockoff, Jimmy Hart, he writes, would be proud. Lapsed veteran, thanks not only for your pledge, but for bumping up the pledge as time passes. We appreciate the vote of confidence. Same to you, Andrew Mansow. Thank you very much. Nick Osipov, let's fucking go. Right to that $20 uh, tier. Jay Dajinji. Dajindi, thank you very much. Ben, thank you for the VIP level pledge. Enjoy all the benefits appertuant to Simon Mustard. We'll fucking get that. We'll, we'll put that down on the dog. Graham McClure, thanks very much for your increased pledge. We appreciate it. Again, Laron Mason, shout outs uh, to you for your um, consistent support. A lot of this stuff that we're reading off now, folks, came in around our WrestleMania coverage. Always a big season for us. You know, folks need that. Oh, yeah. They, they feel like pledging. Adam Winterhalter, thank you very much for your pledge. We appreciate it. Aaron Watts, same to you. Also need to shout out Sean, the CHB, who's a true uh, Blue Lapsed fan and has been supporting us for some time. Ali, thank you very much for the support. Frank from Muskogee going in strong in the EP tier. Anthony DeSanzo, Adam Moon, Sam Rivers, uh, Samuel Devison, all these fine folks. Thank you so very much for your support. Chad writes on faux Hasbro's boss, and I think this is a, an important email considering All right. our lot in life right now. So why don't you share Chad's thoughts? Hello, Jack and JP. I've been wanting to ask for a while, but didn't feel worthwhile being a bottom tier, almost freeloader on the grandfathered dollar tier. Right. Recently went up to 316, so feeling less shamed about writing in. First, thank you for the splendid coverage of Scott Hall. Just finished part four. First, one thing you four parts. Jeez, we do we do four parts. Yeah, we just we just it's ridiculous. First, one thing you mentioned in the show about the the long tights. He did wrestle at least one match that was filmed in long tights, and yep. it's on the Blu-ray set documentary set uh, from a few years ago. Don't know offhand if it's on YouTube or the cock. But uh, what I was wondering: Are you still collecting faux Hasbro's? I know JP at least um, had at least some of the first ones, and Mattel came that came, that Mattel came out with, and I think I even sent you a couple too, Taker and Warrior. I think. Did you, did you keep collecting them until the line finished up until a couple of years back? Did you get Diesel or Goldust from the last couple of sets? I did not. You know, the thing was, they um, they stopped. I think I think for some reason my area was one of the first to stop selling them. Wow. Um, they, uh, I just stopped seeing them. You know, I know, I know that they were, they eventually made it to both Walmarts and targets, but then I did just stopped. I, I, you know, just like, just like the real Hasbro, suddenly they just stopped appearing and, you know, they had the Jeff Hardy ones for a while, but I'm like, oh, fucking Jeff Hardy ones. I really wanted the, I was really hoping to see the diesel one or the, uh, or one of the savage ones. I never saw them. They never existed in, in my part of New Jersey at the time. So I don't know. Um, well, I don't know if you were still following the toy news, but faux Hasbro's are back and in force. Yes. Uh, they just shipped out their first new set in two years, which included Mr. Did you know this? Mr. T Piper, mean gene and Bob Orton. No, I didn't know the Mr. Um, T one. Yeah. And this week, Oh, I didn't know this. And this weekend they announced some of the next ones 
coming in late 22, early 23, including the Hart Foundation, Tugboat, and USA Lex. I will be getting those if I can find them. Uh, there is also a line called Heels and Faces, which had a huge slew of names announced, hopefully with the first series, uh, plus a standalone Double J based on his canceled orange card Hasbro figure wow. uh, should be shipping within the next few months. Now, here's a question. Are they uh, making all these Hasbros because it didn't used to be better? Right. 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 What's face? I got it. Look, Heels and Faces. I don't know this. Um and then uh, from there are tons of guys in the pipeline, including uh, Andre, Power and Glory, King Kong Bundy, Brooklyn Brawler, Todd Petting Zoo, uh, Jack Tubby, Mr. Hughes, and a bunch more. Also, Chella, Chella Toys is another line of these, which include Adam Bomb, Demolition, Powers of Pain, British Bulldog, King Haku, uh, Rhythm and Blues, Valentine, and others. Now, the Chella and Heels and Faces don't have the actions, however, as they are mainly intended for adult collectors. So it could be a downfall if you are playing with them. Yes, that would be a downfall. <laughs> I can confirm. I can confirm. There's also been speculation that AEW Jazzwares could release some of their own based on guys they have working for them. That'd be fucking cool. Yeah. Uh, so it's pretty nuts uh, how much stuff is coming. Uh, there is many, many more names, but I mainly focus on guys that were close to that. Yeah, I don't, I don't get – unless it was somebody uh, – like I'm not gonna get Jeff Hardy. <laughs> it's not gonna fucking happen. I'm not gonna get someone really new, but I I would get like Kurt, I get Kurt Angle. I definitely I get Kurt Angle sure. for sure. So, um, sorry for the length of the message and all the attachments. Da, da, da. Uh, yeah, I was not aware of all of that stuff. But thank you. Uh, what's the PO box address? Uh, Christmas gift your way. Did we? Did I? Did anyone respond? Did someone respond to the email? Or I'll say it again. I mean, I'm not sure. Just say it, just in case. Yeah. Um, for, it those, is, for those who don't know, by the way, this is yeah. uh, this is our call out to the solar system. We're going to do a Christmas special at the end of the year, where folks from the solar system send us wrapped gifts to this uh, PO box, and we're not going to open them until we're recording, uh, hopefully in the same room, and uh, you can get our yes. live reactions to it. Shower us with gifts. What we want for Christmas this year is for all of you to send us shit that we can have and keep and deserve and covet. Yes. So. Uh, Get, you know, get creative and get it off to yep. us at what address, boss? It's sent it to the Lapsed Fan, P.O. Box 119, 710 Main Street South, Southbury, Connecticut, 06488. One more time. That would be to the Lapsed Fan, P.O. Box 119, 710 Main Street South, Southbury, Connecticut, 06488. That's Southbury, S-O-U-T-H-B-U-R-Y, Connecticut. That's right. Get it fucking going. Just a slew of people to thank for increased pledges and new pledges around WrestleMania time. A, thanks for the increase. Zach Golaher, let's go. Thank you. David McBurden, appreciate that deep pledge. Nick Rico, thanks very much. Matthew Seltzer, way to bump it up. Rick Kobos, welcome to the executive producer tier. Rob Brown and Doozle, welcome to the VIP tier. Lee Morris coming in with a big pledge from over the pond. We appreciate that very much. Timothy Lee, thank you for the VIP level pledge. Brad Mayan, thanks very much for the cake. Same to you, Andrew True. Welcome to Under the Cinemat Eligibility. Matt White, thanks very much for your pledge. Same to you, Nathan Gordon, for bumping up the amount coming your co-chairman's way. Mark Powers, welcome to the executive producer tier. OC, welcome to the VIP tier. Will Harris, thank you very much for your support and pledge. Same to you, Dylan Smith and Brett Carlson. Uh, we appreciate your conscientious increase of pledge. Also from the time period, Doozle, thank you. Steve G., 
Thank you. Our good friend Niaz Kala, thank you very much for bumping way high on that Canadian coin. Oh, yeah. Vanessa Rollins, welcome to the executive producer tier. Deeply appreciate your support. Sam Sparing, thank you very much for the pledge. Paul, thank you. Jimmy McKenna, welcome to the VIP tier. Cesar, de la O, de la fuck yeah at the $20 tier. Stephen Tackett, thank you very much for that EP level pledge. Same to you, Derek Reed. Same to you, Corey Hulbert. Matt, thank you very much for your pledge. Another Matt, thanks for your increased pledge. Andy, thanks for bumping up that cake to the co-chairs. Christopher Craig, thank you very much for the bump up. These are all people, by the way, that, you know, are, are put off by the fact that we laugh at our own jokes, that yes. just wish the, po- wish the podcast was one little element of what it is and nothing else. Yeah, okay. Uh, we're getting all the evidence in the world that we're going in the wrong, dire- wrong direction here. Tim Bevers, thank you very much for the pledge. Daniel Moeller, thanks for the cake. Cody Liptak, thank you very much for not only pledging, but then quickly turning around and upping that pledge within a matter of That's hours. Right. Martin Ritzinski, thank you very much for the cake. Michael Owens, we deeply appreciate the money. Patrick Voigtberger, thank you very much for your support. Welcome to the VIP tier. Hey, same to you, Colin Douglas. We need to thank Bryce Bartu for joining the executive producer tier. Mike Robinson, thanks very much for uh, bumping up the the level of uh, coin that your co-chairmen are entitled to. D. Ethan Foti, thank you for pledging and then upping the pledge in a moment. Donald Peterson, welcome to the executive producer tier. Uh, We need to thank... Uh, run amok, who's running amok all over that $10 fucking category. Fuck yeah. Matt Anderson, welcome to the executive producer tier. Corey Small, our good friend and uh, supporter, thank you very much for increasing the pledge. We, we deeply appreciate you staying with us. Um, need to remind folks that if Patreon isn't your thing, you can always go to PayPal and just type the lapsed fan at gmail.com in there and send, off, send us off a one-off payment, if you will. Call yep. it a digital tip as Pawan Singh did he writes hey guys sorry I didn't know oh this is this is the guy who was a great guest on the Wrestlemania call-in show from Canada and we made the quip afterwards that by the time we're done paying the fees it costs to connect with him in Canada over the telephone that we yes. wouldn't end up with much money anyway <laughs> so I made this note to shout him out he ended up sending us money after the fact when we said that saying I didn't oh, realize that's, that. funny. that's a true that's true Canadian uh, politeness that's, thank you very yes, much yes indeed uh, Zach Gulliher, thank you very much for the increase in pledge. Flix02, thank you very much. Welcome to the VIP tier. Zachary Cole, welcome to the VIP tier as well. Uh, Kale, thank you very much for your support. Adam Osborne, thanks for bumping up the pledge coming our way. Uh, Tyler V. Arias, thank you very much uh, for the support and uh, enjoy uh, all the benefits you're now entitled to. Um, we need to also thank uh, Tim Koskuba, longtime supporter of the show. Tim, oh, great yeah. to see you back in the sauce. Splash Bandicoot, thanks for the uh, the pledge, uh, who I think we've shouted out, kind of came and went, happens, but they do come back. Daryl Wilkins, thank you. Travis Wilcox, thank you. Christian Bowersocks, you want to talk about a longtime fucking cornerstone. A, yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's hear from Leaf here, who writes in on uh, Gorilla Monsoon, which is always germane to an episode of the Coliseum Collection, where he provides kind absolutely. of a quick uh, detour here for Leaf's thoughts. Co-chairs, and listening to the deep-dive portion of the four-part Scott Hall tribute show, I came across the description of one of your perpetual annoyances that you air whenever the occasion strikes. Gorilla Monsoon's criticisms of how a hold could have been done more effectively. From what I can tell, you both have taken these moments as Gorilla actually nitpicking the wrestlers in a critical way, as if to make the wrestlers seem more flawed. I always took these comments as a way to actually protect the wrestlers' holes to explain to the audience why they weren't going to lead to the finish of the match Mm. this time, fans, but would have the potential to do so in the future if they just got the opponent in a more fully 
compromised position. Seems to me a good way to keep fans more invested in those moves going forward than they would be if they simply accepted the moves as an inevitable non-event. Honestly, I'd always felt that it would have been a good concept for other play-by-play announcers to take and run with. Just my two cents. Always enjoy the show. What do you think? I think he's Um, criticizing them for being not having tight technique. I'd have to look. To me, uh, he makes a good point in this email. I do understand that, and I do appreciate that. I feel like context is key. Yes. And I feel like in the context of what we were talking about, I think he was just being a bitch. Nice. Yeah, he gets cranky. He gets cranky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. So thanks very much for the thoughts, thought-provoking stuff there from Leaf. Christopher Creva sent us some coin on PayPal. Again, thelapsedfan at gmail.com. He said, thank you for delivering, Chairman. Stuck on a rural slice of beach in Osaka, Mexico, and largely unable to solve the Peacock WWE labyrinth for the mains. Thanks for taking me there with that live call, especially for the decrepit Vince making his last call. Consider this pretty cheap additional fare for the ride or advance payment for your future hopper journey through Mark McCool's TEDx. Schomburg Ugh, talk. Fuck, fuck me. Does any member of the solar system dare? Uh, Paul Cleary, thank you very much for the support. We appreciate it. Uh, Andy Toth writes that guy. Think you, you think you think he'll make it to Tennessee? You think he'll that'll happen? Maybe he'll <sighs> maybe he'll be the big uh, 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 keynote speaker, and he can walk around the stage and talk about how special his life was and how unique it was and how my mom was cooking my favorite rice. Right, red beans and rice, and we can all applaud for red beans and rice. He came from a red beans and rice background. Yeah, that's great. You know what? I I came from steak and potatoes. How about this, Mark? Your mom was cooking me dinner. Cheeseburgers. Yeah. Your mom was. My dad. Your mom was making me fucking red beans and rice. (laughs) And and my dad was the cook too. So (laughs) yeah, take that. that. Yeah, right. Exactly. Good luck coming back on that one. Andy. And lasagna. I guess we forgot shit. who throws the beers to Austin. He said it's Mark Eaton. Of course it is. Yeah, I don't. We must have forgotten that name. But uh, Mark Eaton, thank you. I feel like I made that call out. Like I'm always wondering who's the person who's, who's the throwing guy? beers to Steve Austin when every fucking timekeeper goes Mark out. Eaton. It's extraordinaire. Shane Canning, yeah. thanks for the support. We appreciate the pledge, my friend. Kevin Holden, thank you very much for the cake. John Tobin, welcome in. We appreciate the support. Spencer S., thanks for bumping up your pledge. Heath Harshman, who comes and goes, he's got some scheme going. We love you, Heath. Yes. <laughs> got to shout him out six times every time we do one of these. Uh, Sean W., uh, thank you very much, boss. It's WrestleMania season we're talking about here. And do you think Will sure. Winthrop's on the case? Do you think Will Winthrop's on the case? I can't believe we haven't talked. We haven't. I guess it's been crazy that we haven't fucking talked to Will Winthrop he, about what people have said about WrestleMania. He's, of course, our chief correspondent on the site, BT Sport, WWE's UK broadcasting partner. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. There's so many. There are so many. Oh, Jesus. He writes co-chairs, get your first one ready. With WrestleMania star sign being the most stupendous show of all time, the BT Sports Facebook page has once again turned its attention to the sport of kings, promoting the event with numerous posts, including artwork, celebrating upcoming matches, stating that the biggest weekend of the year had finally arrived. There were also videos hyping up the return of Cody Rhodes, as well as posts celebrating the main event winner, Stone Cold and Roman Reigns, with BT Sport declaring that Roman Reigns was on another level to anyone in the world. Naturally, a host of people had thoughts on the weekend's events. Below is a selection of the comments left by the general public. You do know it's all fake and scripted, right? Yeah, okay, I watched it when I was younger, but no more, as I found as I got older, it's scripted and fake. <laughs> Someone took the time to post that. 
That's the larger point here. Yes, indeed. Someone couldn't not let couldn't leave that unsaid. Apparently, even a crippled person can be a champion if they wanted to. <laughs> it must be tough holding all those titles in scripted fights. No, Mate. thank you. <laughs> must be tough. No, thank you. I'd rather watch paint dry. I can't wait to see what scriptwriters are capable of. Rather watch. <laughs> Coronation Street. <clears throat> Pantomime! With an exclamation point. <laughs> you know, it's scripted, right? He didn't achieve anything. Awesome. That's my Roman Reigns t-shirt. Yes, he didn't yes. achieve anything. <laughs> I don't acknowledge fakeness. That's right. Why is it on a sport channel? Grow up. It's not real. This one is fucking a good one. Does Tajiri still play? Play, play like a sport, like a well, like a like a like a game, like a child's game. No, Tajiri does not still play. No, this is what it's all about. Indeed, can't wait to see what the scriptwriters have written this time. Amazing, he won a prearranged result. <laughs> how I wish it was not. How I wish it was not scripted and acted. Awesome. Yeah, it's funny how they lay down on the floor as if they are out cold. <laughs> Even real fighting doesn't leave a person like that. <laughs> Things you won't see in real life either, whether they're in street fights oh. or UFC. I'm sure even the fans around them are scripted, how they can go on to such events. Mind-blowing. Oh, so awesome. Oh, my God. Just you're seeing right through it. You know, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. like, look at all those people, two nights, Three, that's a full. That's a full paragraph written. Oh, my God. Don't like that give, took time and thought. Just can't for a second get past the fact that it's not yeah, real. That people, that people are enjoying something that just that you can't fathom. I mean, I guess that's me. I guess in the weird way, that's sure. me. I'm talking about people not liking movies and and music and stuff and not being able to understand that. But I, I at least I'm I'm interested to understand it. I'm not criticizing people for not doing it. I just can't. I'm I just personally can't fathom it. Yeah, yeah. But it's not like this. So I want to understand. I want to understand them. You don't the see mentality. that as like having the wool pulled over their eyes. You just want no, to get it. I yeah. just, These people I'll see like like no one's knocked them on the head hard enough to say it's not real. It's like guys, right, everybody's right. told how can them that you their watch whole life. This, this this fucking cartoon bullshit. Look at how they're arguing as if it's real. I stopped watching this thing the first day I realized that it's all in all caps. Scripted. Bunch of fannies. <laughs> this was probably written six months ago. The outcome. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I'd say it was probably written the week before, it maybe depends. the day, yeah, the day of, actually. Don't give them that much credit. Astonishing how many posts BT put on the social media about performing art when they are actual sports that could be they could be promoting. WWE is fake and scripted. How can people watch it? Yes, he acts and dances around a ring like no one else. <laughs> <laughs> That's Roman Reigns. Yes, he acts yeah. and dances around a ring. Oh, my God. I mean, he can be as good as the show writers let him. People do realize it's make-believe, right? <laughs> I've lost all faith in mankind. Why do people, well, he wasn't even on the show. I know. Why do people watch such a fake sport, like jumping around on a trampoline? <laughs> EastEnders on steroids. There's a shirt. No way. <laughs> No way. Play fighting on TV? Let me know how it goes. 
That's a Brit saying that. With oh my god! Tomato on his breath from yes. breakfast. Oh, I love it. Wow, an undisputed scripted champion. What an accomplishment! <laughs> He's a scripted champion, boss. Yeah, yeah. Slow day at BT Sports today, huh? <laughs> Every month, pal. Every month. Um, so scripted. All cap. Uh, uh, three exclamations, I should say. He probably had better acting lessons. Yeah, this shouldn't be called wrestling. It should be renamed as a movie. You people amaze me. You can't see all this is scripted and planned. Let him go join UFC or boxing. That time is when you will realize he's only an actor. At <laughs> least <laughs> we get another year watching roided blokes and baby oil grab each other. Let's <laughs> <laughs> do that one again. Yeah, biggest weekend of the year watching roided blokes and baby oil grab each other. Folks, this is what normal people think of you if you like wrestling. Roided bloke. It'll never change. Baby oil. Ever. Embarrassing and terrible is what it is. Yes. It's scripted according to the directors of the WWE Network. <laughs> this drama. Whatever, whoever believes such nonsense is insane. It's acting. Come on. Why don't you post about sports played in the movies and TV series too? <laughs> That's a good one. WWE for me feels like it's the kids' version of Days of Our Lives. <laughs> People talk about these clowns as if it's real. <laughs> Acting as at its worst. This yeah. is all scripted nonsense. I just don't like it when you are faking things. <laughs> <laughs> fake. It's fake. What about you, you fucking moron? I know. Can you imagine? Um... Yeah, this page should be should keep sports and acting separate. <laughs> acting. What if these guys are killing themselves? Actor. I know, actor. It was so cold. Like, big... Also, like, that's a bad thing, too. Right, like, yeah. Come on. <laughs> it was so cold, the biggest match in history, the greatest main event, but it was very exaggerated. Whoever wrote the script wasn't quite on the spot. We all thought it would be an epic match, but it was as boring <laughs> as they come. Um... BT Sports, this is okay. I'd love to see you post some more movies here. Roman Reigns is good, but I prefer Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> How you can say a fake competition and fake sport where all the outcomes are predetermined is on another level, it's dumb. Anyone can be on another level if the script fits. Yes, his script writers and choreographers are out of this world. How can you say about other levels if everything is fake? <laughs> I don't understand how people watch this circus. People getting slapped on stage. Sounds like the Oscars. Good point, actually. I can't wait to see which one is scripted to win. Wrestling is always being fixed. You can expect what is going to happen next. Yeah, wrestling's like April Fool's Day. <laughs> Should be on Netflix, not a sports page. You mean he's one of the best actors? It's all part of the script. That's every month. Every month. It's all part of the script. Someone has that one. It's <laughs> a good one. I'm a, you realize it's not real, right? <laughs> I mean, you're grown men, so obviously you know it's all scripted. Right? <laughs> EastEnders need not apply for best soap, just apply for best sport. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
It's a scripted sport. The winner is just written. Boring. <laughs> These people. Over you know, it's, it's funny over again, again. Again, again. Whether there's it's it's written or not, like. You don't know who's going to oh win. Oh, my God. But yeah. So isn't there some drama in that? Like, in the fact that, y- yes, someone knows who's going to win, but you don't know. And the general public doesn't know. Isn't there some, right. like, isn't there still some drama in that? Some intrigue, yeah. I mean, I just I can't think get, so, but I no, can't get apparently past, not. I can't get past, boss, the fact that, like, all these comments we've already read came before yes. this person, and they still had to add their two cents. Yes, it's like the message is getting across that this is not real. Why do you have to say it again? Oh, my God. Relax, BT Sport. This is just a written script. Having a winner already known by the scripter. WWE is nothing <laughs> but a piece of shite. And too bad it's totally fake and scripted. Should I congratulate him, though? It was acted. <laughs> drama show. Big drama show. This is a scripted event, so your caption should be like that way. Don't act like he won everything like Messi or Ronaldo. You're wondering if grown men will stay up and watch this made up fighting when there's literally real sports out there. It's fake. (laughs) The biggest stage sport ever in the history of sports. Disgrace to sports in general. Your entertainment is watching guys mainly with underpants on, ironically cuddling for belts. I mean, it's sad, but at least you own it. Yeah, these are actors. Why aren't they categorized under series, at least? <laughs> of course That's he did. Funny. <laughs> of course he did. It's as he did as it's scripted. I'd rather watch something that the whole world knows that it isn't real than to watch they tried to convince people that it's fake when it's fake. It's, it's real. real when it's fake. <laughs> You'd rather watch something I'd rather that, watch something that the whole world knows that it isn't real. That it isn't real than to watch they tried to convince people that it's real when it's fake. A long time ago, wrestling was so good you wouldn't know it was scripted. Hold on, hold on. Everybody knows it's fake, you dumbass. You <laughs> know. Let's get past that. And they're still here. They're still right. putting seventy thousand people in the in the building two nights in a row. A long time ago, wrestling was so good you wouldn't know it was scripted. John Cena is a better champion, BTW. Okay. Well, that's a weird one. I mean, if, if, I mean, is he basically saying that, that a long time ago was John Cena as champion? That was better? Okay. It was all signed in a contract way before the night, LOL. It's acting. Not a sport. You lost a follower for that. <laughs> wow. I love this so much. <laughs> the fakest thing ever, FFS. What the fuck? It's all fake and people still think it's real. Moves are real. Outcome fake. <laughs> Here's a good one. Fake sports. <laughs> LOL. It's if UFC. He won't stand a chance fighting Lesnar. <laughs> In the movies, we know that they're acting because they call themselves actors, but... What's happening here? They're making people fool that they called themselves <laughs> real fighter and lots of remote places. People still don't know that. It's <laughs> actually acting. Lots of remote places. They don't know they're actually acting. Oh, what a, what a travesty. Scripted performances. Oh, please grow up, people. 
What does he have to change his name to when the scriptwriters decide to let someone else win? Rocky Balboa is also the greatest boxer of all time. <laughs> and Happy Gilmore is on another level to all other golfers. BT Sports, stick to sports which are not scripted. Fake wrestling, scripted violence. On another level, it's more it's more fake than Katie Price FFS. <laughs> On another level, about fifty what do you say about fifty percent is fake and it's scripted. Fifty percent, huh? Wow. And Santiago Munez is on another level to any footballer in the world. It was show, not real fight. It's so funny how fully grown men watch it. <laughs> This is a good one. This is sure. You ready? The wrestling you see is fake, not real. (laughs) (laughs) That's the end of the thought. This this one's actually kind of sad and pathetic. Yeah. I stopped watching this thing in 2011 when I learned that it's scripted. Oh, my God. 2011? How young is this And you learned? Jesus. On another level at acting, you mean? At performing a predetermined script, you mean? Man, delete this post. (laughs) (laughs) Not really on another level. He was rigged to win, for fuck's sake. Oh, for fuck's sake. I didn't know what FFS was. Thank you for explaining that to me. Oh, for fuck's sake. Just couldn't get more fake to be called sports. It's not real. It was pre-planned beforehand. It is super choreographed. And it is absolutely embarrassing, if you ask me, that grown men are watching this along with (laughs) 10-year-olds. <laughs> embarrassing. <laughs> it's embarrassing that we're watching wrestling. <laughs> it embarrasses this embarrassing. person that we're watching something. Oh. Um, okay. <laughs> Cody Rhodes looks like Derek Akora's love child. <laughs> look at him up. Look him up. Look him Come up. On it. Do it. I just fucking did it. <laughs> yeah, I'll say. Oh yeah. my god, that's the exact hairdo, and he's got those like so fucking funny. hyper blue suits on. Oh god. Der- oh shit. Derek Akora, fucking money. That's awesome. And Will wrote, "Cannot wait for you to Google this one." For fuck's sake, Rangers versus Celtics is on, and you're showing pishy, dummy fighting. No wrestler would last five minutes in Glasgow. Well, they would if it's worked. Yeah, they would. Y'all didn't know wrestling's fake, right? Fake, fake, fake! <laughs> it says. All caps. Why does anyone over the age of... T- why does anyone over the age of 10 watch this rubbish? <laughs> it's definitely real tosses. <laughs> WrestleMania is all fake. <laughs> How you doing, Bob? Send this. Send this to Titan Tower. <laughs> hey, by the this is your. These are what the people are saying about WrestleMania. <laughs> the people. Oh. <laughs> Thankfully, I I hate stage wrestling because really, who cares apart from sad people? 
Oh, oh boy. <laughs> these are so fucking funny. It's <laughs> so good. It's so good. Realize, it makes you realize exactly where we belong. Oh, man. But Oh, this is a good one. But it's scripted, isn't it? <laughs> but it's scripted, isn't it? Oh. Yeah. It was just gobshot being covered in an actual sport page. Didn't you guys have any cartoons to watch? <laughs> you, you, you do all know this ain't real, right? So the granddaddy of them all, Will concludes, didn't quite capture the imagination <sighs> of the fine folks at BT Sports. Fingers crossed that Backlash can win them over. <laughs> We're, we keep hoping. Oh, it's fucking uproariously funny. Love it so much. James Irwin, thanks yeah. for increasing the pledge. Mike, thank you so much. Tomas Marciniak, the old homie from Poland, thank you very much for the, for the, uh, the cake, my friend. Great to see you and great to uh, get that increase. Um, Evan writes, Cro-Mang, similar to JP, I've been doing my own version of Macho and the Whole Foods. Yes, oh my God. I'm a cook at a dive bar. The job gets very monotonous. To break this up, I enjoy saying off putting things to the customers as I serve their food, such as here's your dry burger as God intended, direct eye contact, and I walk away. <laughs> this week, I can't stop handing people oh their food, God. pausing and saying, you know, you should be the crow, man. That's awesome. Since it's Portland, people just smile nervously and say thank you or something to that effect. Like Ron, oh. Ron Armisen or something. Uh, Steve, what is it? No, not. Armisen. Frank? What is his name? Fred Armisen. Fred Armisen. Fred Armisen. Y'all doing God's work in that ass. Thank you, Evan. We're trying. We appreciate your support. AC Slater. Got that right. Thanks for the pledge. Aiden Aviles. Thank you very much. Damon Ivy uh, has put cake on the table, and your co-chairs are uh, acknowledging it as such. Andrew Mulheron sent us cake via PayPal. Again, thelapsedfan at gmail.com. He says, greetings, co-chairs. I recently sent money for the WrestleMania call. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he gives us the money even though he forgot to um, be there for the call. He sent us oh. the wrong account. Maybe next year, uh, Andrew. Maybe next year. But that's just that's the lapsed fan spirit. You still follow through yep. with that payment. Yep. Yep. Alberto Menchacha, thank you very much. Dan, thank you very much. Ryan, thank you very much for that fucking pledge. Paul writes, have a question, Coach Harris, for whenever you can get to it. How would Laps Jesse describe it if he went to a Mexican restaurant with his son on the second day of the work week and ordered a traditional Mexican dish consisting of a small hand-sized corn or wheat tortillas topped with a filling? Taco Tuesday with Tyro. Good qu- what? It's a good question. How would he describe it? Say, you know, say it again. How would he just laps Jesse describe it if he went to a Mexican restaurant with his son on the second day of the work week and ordered a traditional Mexican dish consisting of a small hand-sized corn or wheat tortilla topped with a filling? What does that sound like? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like there's something expected that I'm not aware of that I'm not privy to. He just wants you to order Taco Tuesday dishes with with. I'm just wondering, here we. I'm sitting here with Tyrell yes. at Taco Tuesday yes. at um, La Cabana. <laughs> I'm sitting here, he says. <laughs> <laughs> he threw that in there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's a good one. He says to the waiter, I'm sitting here. First thing he says. It's like 
I know, Senor. I can. <laughs> senor, what do we? Uh, yeah. Anything? Uh, anything fresh today on the menu? <laughs> huh? No. Okay. Well, um, Tyrell, what do you want to have, bud? <laughs> He's going to have a burrito. You guys have burritos here on Taco Tuesday? Good. I'd like to have a, um, personally, here I am. I'm sitting here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of I'd feeling like, a soft taco. <laughs> I'd like to have, personally, here I am. I'm sitting here. <laughs> As a third-party candidate for the W for the WWE presidency, I was going to say. <laughs> As a third-party candidate for the United States presidency, I believe well, I'm kind of feeling a soft taco, celebrating that Taco Tuesday. So, do you have um, do you have soft tacos? Do you have a whole wheat tortilla? Huh? Can I start with a ceviche? <laughs> yeah, I think I'll start with a ceviche, and then uh, and then we'll go with uh, you want them, Tyrell. You want a, a margarita? Oh, yeah. You want yeah. a mar? Yeah, yeah. We'll have two margaritas. Yeah, yeah. Tyrell is going to have the burrito, and what I'd prefer to have is uh, is two soft chicken tacos with a whole wheat tortilla. Can you do that? Can you do whole wheat tortilla? Not trying to offend the uh, the uh, your, your the Mexican heritage here. Right, right. I do live in you know I do live in Mexico. I live about I live over on the beach. I'm off the grid, but <laughs> I do clear, live in right. Mexico. To be clear, you can't find me. You may look, but I but you won't find me. And um, uh, but I'd prefer to have instead of having a flower. Or a soft corn tortilla. I'd prefer to have a uh, a wheat, whole wheat tortilla with uh, chicken and the cheese and the vegetables. And I'll t- I will have rice and beans with that. This guy takes fucking forever to order his meal. What a nightmare. The waiter's working you on want, like, the fourth hey, Tyrell, page. you want rice and beans? Are you feeling that? Tyrell will have rice and beans as well. <laughs> Oh, hold on, <clears throat> and he says it like like Tyrell's four years old. Tyrell, are you gonna have rice and beans? Are you feeling that? <laughs> I'm sitting here. So good, thank you for that. I'm very glad you picked that ball up because I know you were hesitant there. I didn't know. <laughs> it's like is he literally asking me to order at a Mexican? <laughs> What would that sound like? What would that? What would that? What would that sound like? What would that sound like? What would that sound like? What would that? What would that? What would that sound like? We should mention. Huh? We should mention. It's probably worth mentioning. Well, it's probably worth mentioning the fact that here, you know, I I do wonder. You know, people may be considering a conspiracy yeah. in regards to the uh, people. The may uh, be you know the uh, the whole wheat tortilla. People may be considering a conspiracy. Can someone get me on MSNBC? Talk about the Tortilla <laughs> Conspiracy. 
Just two months. <laughs> can, can someone <laughs> get me on? Anybody. Ben Dixon, thanks for the increased pledge. Dave Dav, thank you very much for that that new money. We love it. Christopher Hilson, welcome with your big dick pledge. <laughs> we understand and feel it. He writes, co-chairs, I come back before you with a shame so abundant it has managed to almost fill the deep cavernous yawning chasm you have rendered my anal cavity after years of magnificent pounding from that fucking cast. I was among the menagerie of fools that decided last year was a great time to yoke myself to a property and buy a home for myself and my family. Of course, as it turned out, last year was the exact opposite of a great time to take on that mission, but nevertheless, my wife and I sat down, went over our finances, and made the harsh decision to undergo some financial belt tightening in preparation for the most significant monetary commitment people in our class can make. She took a butcher knife to her subscriptions and cut pretty much everything, including her monthly tea shipments and several streaming services, a sizable sacrifice for a stay-at-home mother, leaving only the monthly recurring charges for our daughter's educational apps and streaming platforms. This unfortunately brings me to the source of my ignominy. Surely I could not hold onto my subscriptions and other sizable expenditures in the face of the sacrifices the rest of my family was subjecting itself to. But I could not simply make cuts of equal measure to what my wife did. No, I had to one-up her. I had to show my commitment to the mission. In this game of can you top this, I had to go over, brother. So like Chris Benoit before me, I had to make the ultimate sacrifice. (laughs) I ended my Patreon subscription to the only fucking cast that matters. I canceled my contribution to the cast. I'm sorry. I love you, I said as I clicked the mouse on the cancel button. I was going to leave a message as Patreon allows. I was going to attempt to explain why I would do the unthinkable, but I couldn't bring myself to do it. I couldn't even feign an attempt at justifying what I knew to be unjustifiable. So I did the deed, got up from the computer, and got on with things. Fast forward a year, we have bought our house, moved in, and gotten acclimated. My daughter has gone from a sassy, energetic, bubbly preschooler to a kindergarten-bound teenager with an attitude and vocabulary oh, to match. She's dude, like a mini. Ain't that the fucking truth? Oh man, she's like a mini female Stone Cold Steve Austin. And my wife and I are both Vince McMahon. Our WrestleMania seventeen can't come soon enough. My son has gone from precocious but mostly harmless one-year-old infant to violent, whirling tornado of destruction. A tiny terrorist, always mere moments away from finding some otherwise unimaginable way of ending his short life. A tiny Jeff Hardy or Sabu in the making. Most importantly, though, we have discovered that the belt tightening that we thought was going to be so necessary for us to make our version of the American dream, not that one, a reality wasn't so necessary after all. In fact, thanks to a combination of me receiving a well-timed promotion at my day job and a raise at my part-time job in the evenings, we have never been as financially secure as we are now. We can more than afford all our little luxuries we were so quick to cast aside before and still comfortably pay all our bills. But before we bought our house but we bought our house in August and realized this solidly in January. Why am I only now coming back to you, hat in hand, head bowed, heart full of shame and pain, ass agape as it should be? I don't have a good explanation, gentlemen, but I have been a freeloading, content-leeching, meek yes. little bitch yes. for a year yes. now, and that's a year too fucking long. So like Jesse yes. before me, I went back. Back where I belong. Back in that EP tier. Back under the I cinema. went back. Back doubled over before my co-chairs, grasping my ankles, ready to do the right thing. Back on the teat. Back to the only cast that matters. Back to the lapsed fan on Patreon. Consider the extra scratch my insufficient attempt at recompense for this past year. Thank you for the shame. Thank you for the pain. Thank you for the Hulkamania. Thank you for prolapsed mania. Thank you for that. Yes. Fucking 
cast. That's a missive. That's a message. You're damn right. John Ziegler, thanks very much for your support. Thanks for the pledge. Jesse has a question for you, boss, or for both mm. of us. A friend of mine referred to me as Meng in a text message, and I'm uncertain whether this is grounds to have the you a fan talk. I've never heard the word used outside of references to Scott Hall. Curious how I should proceed here. Thank you for the service <laughs> you provide what, what, to What are we, fucking Dear Abby now? Uh, <laughs> I like to think of the cast as the X Factor because it gives me everything I've ever wanted, and I will never give it back. <laughs> Yo, you're dealing with the X Factor. <laughs> Um, <laughs> oh my god! Fucking I've heard many people say "mang." It's it's a way of like "mang." It's like a Gucci Mang, the the rapper. It's how they say "man mang." It's it's definitely not related to Scott Hall. No, I've heard plenty of people spell that "mang" that way when they're trying to talk like that. Really? I never have. Yeah, yeah. So that would be my All suggestion. Right. Well, if you if you say so, I don't know if I agree with that, but go ahead. Very good. Andrew Hammond Media, we love it. Andrew Hammond Media, thank you for the pledge, my friend. Christopher DeMars, thanks for the uh, increased uh, boost there. Scott Lovesy, we lovesy that fucking cake, as is uh, the money from Scott Sumner, who bumped up to the executive producer tier. Um, Okay, this is good. It's good. Okay, this is all uh, Bash of the Beach 2000, which we've covered. Greg Mm -hmm. McLaughlin, thank you very much. Uh, Luke Williams, (laughs) not that one. Uh, Cody Hinkle. Ben Buck, Bryce Taylor, uh, thank you very much for a um, for a slew of, of increased pledges. Shane writes, Razor Ramon on July 4th, 1786. Hey, Portland, you should be the main, man. <laughs> good shit. <laughs> That's fucking funny. Russ Paxson, thank you very much for that EP level t- uh, pledge. Rob Jones, M. Men's, thank you very much. Let's make amends, if you will. Um, and we're going to uh, thank uh, Tom Atanasio. I mean, the oh, he's a he's a fucking nutter upper. The, yeah, exactly. The the, the new cleaner picker upper. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Biggest uh, swinging dick in the solar system. Best lapsed fan of all time. Uh, we deeply appreciate. Um, uh, that support and uh, and the whole um, 1K club folks that have given over a thousand in the lifetime of the cast. I mean, we can't tell you how much it means uh, to us yep. to have that kind of base, that heart, that beating heart of support. No matter how much the, the number might fluctuate, if you're there, we're here. Dean Coles, thanks for the pledge. Brian Sowers, Caleb Hughes, Damian Aloe. Uh, the list, it just keeps going on and on. It's unbelievable. Bob Zombie, who we've shouted out before, he's back yeah. at the table. Graham Turley uh, wants that taste and and is uh, and is getting it. Um, we need to send thanks out to Mark Evans and to Rob Jones and to Molly and Zach and to Ja Burr. Ja Burr, who we've already shouted out here. Uh, thank you very much for that high-level uh, pledge on Patreon. We need to thank uh, Jake and Steve Cochran, and Lloyd Carnigan, and Joe Larson, and Nick Russ, and Michael Orpin, and Bree, and Michael Hanratty, and Logan Henry. We need to thank Anthony Petrillo. We need to thank William Murphy, and Dave Murray, and Andrew Corey, and Keita Adi, and Thomas Slattery, and Willow D. Wisp. You heard that right. Uh, we love Thomas Slattery, who joined us for the Bash at the Beach uh, yeah. uh, legal perspective review and then put cake on the table on top of it 
Willow D. Wisp, thank you for the cake. Aaron Stokes, thanks for the support. Martin Fryer, thank you for bumping up on that pledge. Garrett Matting, thank you so very much. Eric Prater, we appreciate the increased support. Rodrigo, great to have your patronage. Thank you. Paul Lantau, thanks for the support. Stephen Cordingly, Matt Corcoran, we need to thank Carlos uh, Stallion, Scott Webster, and Akmat. Akmard Javed, we need to thank Michael Herndon and generic username who's at that $20 tier and Brandon from Maine as opposed to Brandon from New Jersey. Yeah, God, Sant- that's funny. Juan Santiago Padin, thank you very much for that fucking support. Jesse, thank you. George Diaz, we appreciate and are humbled by the support. Ben Odsley, thanks for your constantly uh, being in on a corner. Heath Harshman is back somehow, some way. I don't know how he does it. He keeps sur- resurfacing great. a thousand times. I know, over. That's always so funny. That always cracks me up. John Ziegler, welcome to the uh, executive producer tier as he climbs up the uh, the content ladder. PDW, Rebel XX, Jeff Pop, Stuart Wiley, Clint Patty, Chad Glendy. Thank you very much, Chad, for increasing your pledge. Timothy Lee, uh, we need to thank uh, Yelde. We need to thank uh, Jason Clark for uh, increasing his pledge. We need to thank Damian Ross for joining us and Adam Sims and Morris Daniel and, and, and Rich Moulton. Uh, big shout out to Mike Crotch, which I can certainly understand. That's fucking hilarious too. Steve Pitteries, thanks very much for uh, the Pitta cheese. Paul Thomas, thanks for the money. Martin Ferguson, thanks for increasing your pledge in the vote of confidence. Kevin Higgins, uh, thank you very much. Robert Hayes, great to have you in the Lapsed Fan Solar System, as is for you, uh, Ben Moore. That makes us current in terms of uh, the new pledges and the increased pledges uh, since we... Last join you. It's a um, it's a staggering roster, but we we remain committed uh, to thanking each and every one of you for your support. <laughs> More in the mailbag, but we, we're going to take a pause for now because it's time for wrestling's country, boys, boss. If you feel uh, I don't know, maybe hours we is enough. The, maybe we could keep doing the mailbag instead of talking about this fucking show. Okay, fine. Here you go. You ready? <laughs> no, you're not ready. <laughs> More to come next time on our mailbag segment. For now, it's time for the Coliseum Collection to roll on through. <laughs> 